You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street, my name is J.J. Jackson. We hope that you are doing well on today's show. I've got Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy here with me. I'm off to an awful start here. Can we just redo that whole thing, <laughs> fellas? I don't know what's going on. So many buttons are being pressed, and my brain is all over the place. Here we are. This is Sports Call. It's a live radio show, as you can see, each and every Wednesday and every day of the week from 3 until 6. I'm terrible. Ryan, I don't know what's going <laughs> on here. It's getting better and better. Uh, you know, the great news for everyone out there is we're, we are on every Wednesday. Uh, we're also on every Monday, <laughs> every Tuesday, every Thursday, and every Friday. We take the weekends off to rest and watch Auburn football and other athletic <laughs> events, but then we return each and every Monday the, the following day after the weekend and uh, deliver new content. So Was I even able to say my name? Did I get that point across? Uh, yeah, Joshua Linden Jackson, of course. <laughs> Uh, some call me JJ as well. Uh, <laughs> JJ Jackson here in the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan Lavoy. Here's an outline today. We've got birthdays and sports brought to you by Max Credit Union. Cole Pinkston of Auburn Live on 3 at 3.30. Uh, big recruiting news today. Four-star wide receiver Carmelo English out of Central Phoenix City High School right in our backyard. D commits from Auburn football. Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, on the program this Wednesday at 4.15. We'll have our hump day update in the final hour, and then yet another year, another partnership with RotoWire and with our good pal Joe Bartle of uh, RotoWire to talk fantasy football in the final hour of the program, and a nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. JJ Jackson with Tom Peavy and Ryan Lavoy. Tom, yeah. how are you? Let's see if you can get off to a better start than I did today. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm doing great, and uh, kind of curious to I, I I'm one of those that's following this whole uniform thing. I don't care what Auburn wears; I just want Auburn to win. But uh, there's a lot of talk, and and Auburn is kind of I guess throwing little teasers out there uh, with some Instagram photos. There, it, we all knew that they were going to do the orange face mask, but. Uh, I guess they released a picture, and it had orange uh, woven material in the background, and everybody is saying that is the that is the uh, style of mesh that jerseys are made out of, and they're showing pictures of current jerseys comparing it to that. I mean, people are like full-on investigative anything, trying to figure out if Auburn's actually going to wear orange jerseys or not. I'm on board with that, just of the curiosity. I still don't care what they wear as long as they win. But uh, the the jersey thing is kind of it's been interesting to kind of follow. It absolutely has. We got to figure out what in the world this team's going to wear when they get out uh, onto the football field this upcoming Saturday. There has been chaos 
uh, regarding the travels of the Penn State football team yes. and whether or not their airplane is going to be able to land uh, in the Montgomery area. So that's interesting. You would love for the opponent to get here to actually be able to play them. And, uh, yeah, just your your typical Wednesday headline going into game week that, uh, yeah, this team can't land here. Yeah, well, that, that whole thing is they, so they already had their hotel and everything set to go in Montgomery. And then it turns out that uh, their flight was going to go into the Montgomery Regional Airport, but apparently they are doing runway construction there, so they can't land at the Montgomery Regional Airport. So now they're trying to figure out where they're going to stay. Uh, there's the possibility that they may uh, reach out to Maxwell Air Force Base and land at the Air Force Base there, and then they can stay in their hotel. Otherwise, they may have to fly into Columbus, Georgia, which means they may have to try to figure out hotel arrangements in Columbus because I don't know if they would land in Columbus and then bus all the way to Montgomery. So, yeah, uh, Penn State's kind of got an issue there that they're trying to get worked out. And uh, it's it's definitely thrown a little bit of a uh, curveball into their travel plans when they found out that the, the, the runway is not usable over in Montgomery. So we got to figure out how they can get here. We will uh, we'll see. Uh, the game's well, going to be we played. We don't have to figure it out. They, True. They need to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Contrary to popular belief, Ryan Lavoy is not on the phone with airlines and and um. yeah. Can you can we land on Thursday night? Uh, <laughs> we can't we can't uh, we can't cut it closer than that. We got to get them in Thursday night. No, okay, Friday morning, fine. I wish people could also see this because you did hold up your phone to your ear as if you were having a conversation there with somebody. Man, you bought into the bit, and I appreciate according, that. According to Hokinson, Justin Hokinson, who we've had on the program before, they're flying into Columbus. Oh, so they decided so, that. Um, that was a hour or so ago. But um, I don't know, another pomp and circumstance bit to the uh, lead-up to the game. As Tom mentioned, the uh, uniforms, which I agree, like, I would like to score more points than the other team more than I would like to find out what <laughs> – what uh, uniform Auburn is wearing, I think everyone would agree with that, but I really don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. I want Auburn to wear colors that are uh, in rhythm with Auburn's color scheme, whether that be blue, orange, white. I do not care as long as they look like something that Auburn University would produce color-wise. If Auburn came out in purple, I would then have a problem. They are not LSU. <laughs> um, or Clemson. So, so – uh, that's pretty much my extent of care on that. I think it's good fodder, though, and I think it could be a very good recruiting pitch to see that uh, you're willing to change things. I think we've heard from the team that their preference is to wear orange and that they might like an alternate uniform. And so I don't I don't think, you know, going all the way to the other end of the spectrum towards Oregon where you wear something different every single game is necessary, but something fresh I don't think is anything to get mad about. Um, other than that, excited to watch that game on Saturday. Excited to continue to talk about this game coming up because it's the first real test for Auburn. It's going to tell us a lot, I think. And um, obviously, no matter you know what el- other news we get as far as Penn State's travel plans or what Auburn's wearing and that sort of thing, the bottom line is this is a pretty pretty darn important game for Auburn and. Uh, could set the tone for at least the next couple of games. I don't know if it's going to necessarily set the tone for a uh, really tough game in Athens, but uh, going to set the tone for the remainder of the first half of the season. And so uh, it's going to be a big one and excited to talk more about it and break it all down. Good fodder. What a use of vocabulary there. 
useless chatter. I love I, it, man. I know English. Yeah, you do some good things from time times. to time. Yeah, only at times. So. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online, auburnbank.com, for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. We spoke it into existence yesterday, Ryan, as you adorn and wear a Braves polo here in the studio. They were able to snap that three-game losing streak last night. Yeah, they needed to. Uh, obviously, the Mets are now starting to play some of their worst baseball in some quite some time after they lose another game to the Cubs. They lost that series to Washington earlier uh, this past week, and, and so the Mets are starting to you know, teeter a little bit. And so you don't want the Braves to teeter with them. You want the Braves to keep playing strong. And then, look, they had played incredibly strong before this three-game losing streak. I think they'd won seven in a row. Uh, so winning, if you in a bottle, if you win seven out of every ten, you feel really good about things. And that's essentially what the Braves have done for a while. Uh, but nevertheless, three-game losing streak starts to make you feel uneasy. And so important to get that win. But you want to go ahead and follow that up with another win today. The Mets have another game against the Cubs tonight. And the Mets play tomorrow against the Pirates. I think they have a four-game series with Pittsburgh again, another team that's not exactly headed to the postseason. And so the Mets will play two while the Braves only play one here in the next couple of days. And so you want to go ahead and take care of this game if you're Atlanta to make sure that you're not down by more than one whole game entering your next series, which starts Friday. I believe Philadelphia is next. And so, uh, yeah, very important to get that win. Uh, I think most importantly, the most important thing about that game was Kenley Jansen working really good ninth. I know it was a four-run game, but obviously Kenley Jansen has not been the same guy the last month or so. He's blown four saves. And um, even though they, they, like I said, they scored a run in the top of the ninth on a Swanson RBI single to make it a four-run game, they still pitched Jansen. He did give up a two-out single, but he had two strikeouts and a comebacker in the mound and still only threw like 13 or 14 pitches to the four batters combined. So Jansen worked a really good inning. That was good to see. Braves look like they're going to have every intention of sticking with him uh, in the ninth inning role, so you got to get him rolling. Uh, look back at the numbers. Uh, obviously this year he has struggled and this is actually his highest ERA of his entire career. I think he's going to end up in uh, Cooperstown as a Hall of Famer. But last year, a reminder for everybody, in the postseason, Kenley Jansen threw eight games for the Dodgers in the postseason. He did not allow a single run. So this is also a guy that's used to being clutch, that's worked in a lot of postseason baseball. And so the idea st still is to get Kenley Jansen pitching better here in the month of September so that in October he can be that dominant force that he's always been. The Braves and the Giants are playing right now. They're playing against uh, one another in San Francisco. It is scoreless in the bottom of the second inning. A day off for Atlanta tomorrow, but then they play a three-game series at home with the Philadelphia Phillies this upcoming weekend at Truist Park. So Atlanta uh, trying to jump back ahead in the National League Eastern Division. Only a half game separate our beloved Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets. Let's take a timeout. On the other side of this break, we'll get to our birthdays in sports. James from Montgomery joins us next as well here on Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. We hope that everyone is doing well here today on this Wednesday. If you would like to be a part of the program, you could do that. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 to be on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We'll get to your phone calls here in just a moment. We do this each and every day. It's really important that we celebrate some birthdays in sports. So without further ado, here we go. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports presented by Max Credit Union. Two convenient locations for your banking needs. One in Auburn on Gay Street. One in Opelika on Frederick Road. Tom Peavy, who's got a birthday today? All right. It is September the 14th and celebrating a birthday today is Michael Crabtree. He turns 35. He's a former NFL wide receiver. The 10th overall pick by the 49ers in the 2009 NFL Draft. A two-time 1,000-yard-plus receiver. Four times eight or more touchdowns. Three times 85 or more receptions. He also played with the Raiders, the Ravens, and the Cardinals. He played college football at Texas Tech. He was a two-time unanimous All-American, two-time Bolitnikoff Award, two-time first-team All-Big 12, Big 12 co-offensive freshman of the year in 2007. Goodness gracious, Michael Crabtree, he's pretty good. Yeah, and uh, once famously called a, a quote, sorry-ass receiver by Richard Sherman. In yeah. a big-time playoff game. In an interview respect. With, with, uh, with Aaron Andrews on TV. There you go. Uh, I did not mean to bring that up on his birthday. We should celebrate him. Happy well, birthday. he's not sorry. So. Happy birthday, uh, Michael Crabtree. A uh, guy here celebrating a birthday today on September the 14th that uh, Auburn fans are very familiar with. Happy 25th birthday, Jared Harper. The former Auburn basketball point guard, he recently signed with the Valencia Basket of Spanish Liga ACB EuroLeague. Yes, as well. As well. NBA and G League experience with the Suns, Knicks, uh, and the Pelicans squadron. Played three years at Auburn, uh, 26 points in the Elite Eight game versus Kentucky during the Final Four run, and a two-time second-team All-SEC. Happy 25th birthday, Jared Harper. That's right. Happy birthday, Jared Harper. Also, Want to give a happy birthday shout-out in the Auburn men's basketball world to Stephen Pearl, current associate head coach for Auburn men's basketball. Bruce Pearl's son, Stephen Pearl, celebrating his birthday today. Happy birthday. Well, turning 33 today is Jimmy Butler. There we go. Another very well-known player. NBA small forward for the Miami Heat. 2011 NBA draft 30th overall pick by the Chicago Bulls. Six-time NBA All-Star, four-time All-NBA third team. Five-time NBA All-Defensive Second Team, NBA Most Improved Player 2015, NBA Gennaro Olympics. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, NBA Stills Later 2021 has played with the Bulls, Timberwolves, 76ers, and the Heat. Gold medal with the USA in the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Olympics. One college season at Tyler Junior College, three seasons at Marquette, two-time All-Big East Honorable Mention Happy birthday, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Buckets celebrating his birthday today. Fun player, uh, talks a lot of smack, and uh, yeah, he's cool. He's cool to watch. Happy birthday. Turning 22 today, a guy with a very cool name, Bones Highland, NBA point guard for the Denver Nuggets. 2021 NBA draft, 26th overall pick. NBA all-rookie second team in 2022. Played two seasons of college basketball at VCU. He was the Atlantic 10 all-rookie team in 2020. First team all-Atlantic 10 in 2021 and the Atlantic 10 Player of the Year in 2021. 
Bones Highland. Happy birthday, Bones. 22. Turning 33 today is Gregory Polanco, the former MLB right fielder, current right fielder with the Yamuri Giants in the Japanese League. Yeah! He played with the Pirates from 2014 to 2021. He also played with the Blue Jays before signing with Yamuri in his 2017 All-World Baseball Classic team. Gregory Polanco turning 31. Happy birthday. Couple more. Celebrating a 37th birthday, this former MLB outfielder and designated hitter, he played with the Rays, Twins, Tigers, Phillies, and Orioles with a career batting average of 283, at 109 home runs, 566 RBI, an American League Championship MVP in 2012, Delman Young. Happy birthday, Delman Young. Big swing. And then finally, turning 33 is Tony Finau. PGA Tour golfer. He previously played on the European Tour, the Web.com Corn Ferry Tour, and the PGA Tour Canada. Four PGA wins at Puerto Rico Open in 2016, the Northern Trust Open in 2021, the 3M Open in 2022, and the Rocket Mortgage Classic in 2022. Ten top ten finishes at majors. Two-time Ryder Cup winner with the U.S. National Team. President's Cup winner with the U.S. National Team in 2019. Happy 33rd birthday, Tony Finau. Am I better at golf than Tony Finau, Ryan? No. Am I taller than Tony Finau? No. Big guy. Finau was the one that uh, dislocated his knee and popped it back in place, was it not? At the Masters one At the Masters, yeah. He kind of got took a little... Celebrated because he... uh, Celebrated of a shot. Hole-in-one in the par-3 contest. That's right. It was was the par-3 contest, and he kind of jumped, came down, and his knee... Yep. Went out, and then he popped his leg back into place and then kept on playing. And he played the Masters, And, yeah. and, and actually played pretty well yep. in the Just Masters. Just not fun. You know, I, I, I would encourage folks not, not to dislocate their yeah. knee, but, yeah. He, he or was popping able to keep it going. back in or, place. Yeah, good stuff from uh, Tony Finau. Six foot four, very tall Ooh, golfer. I did not know uh, that. Birthdays in sports on September 14th here today. Michael Crabtree, Jared Harper, Stephen Pearl, Jimmy Butler, Bones Highland, Gregory Polanco, Delman Young, Tony Finau, all celebrating their birthdays. Let's take your phone calls, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 as we go to our Auburn Bank phone line. Joining us on the program, James from Montgomery. James has called in. Hello there, James. Hello and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I am ready for this big game this weekend between Auburn and Penn State. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a massive, massive matchup. Yes, it is. It is indeed, and it's going to be one of the classic matchups as well because I know Auburn will be wearing their orange jerseys this coming up uh, weekend on Saturday night, uh, Saturday evening, or no, excuse me, Saturday afternoon. Sorry, that's right. Yeah, afternoon, two thirty kickoff, and yeah, it's not officially confirmed that they're going to have orange jerseys. A lot of speculation. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. But we do know that Auburn will be wearing orange face masks. Yes. Now, with the orange face mask, I mean, that could be a thing. But with the orange jerseys, that could be determined. So, I've been getting a lot of um, a lot of tweets from a lot of Auburn fans about it. And a lot of people have been uh, tweeting uh you know, different years that Auburn has actually worn orange jerseys over over time. And I actually came up with some research over the weekend about it. And Auburn has worn those jerseys 
since 1933 and 1934. Okay. All right. That's good research that you put in then. Yes, as well. And then I've had some people in the, you know, trying to tell me um, I was wrong about it. But, I mean, I'm a huge Auburn fan, so I do know a lot about Auburn uh, football history. I do know my Auburn history as well. And a lot of people have been saying, no, it was around 1980. I looked at it, and Auburn has never worn those orange jerseys in the 80s. Right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, so I am kind of right on those two iconic years. So, you know, that would be um, the first time this year for Auburn to actually wear those jerseys as well with the white pants as well. So I'm I'm really uh, digging the, the, the orange vibe with the white pants as well. It will bring a lot of history back to Auburn as well. Indeed, we're all about Auburn history, that's for sure. Yes, as well. And then, well, I could say I'm very, very excited that I won week one of my fantasy football game last weekend. I am so excited. I am 1-0. and And I am actually trying to see if I'm going to make it 2-0 and this coming up weekend for the uh, NFL Fantasy League this year. That's right. you got to find a way to get a win. you got to put together a winning lineup coming up on Sunday. And I actually did, indeed, I actually did put a good lineup for uh, Sunday's matchup. I got uh, two of the greatest Auburn um, players from, uh, I got the tight end, C.J. Uzama. That's the tight end for the New York Jets. And I have Anthony Short of the Cleveland Browns. And for the Las Vegas Raiders kicker, I have Anderson Carlson's brother, Daniel Carlson, actually, in my fantasy lineup as well. Yeah, Anders Carlson, older brother, Daniel Carlson, now kicking for the Raiders. So you got three different Auburn players on your fantasy team. Yes, as well. And then I do have, for my defensive uh, line that I'm starting, is the... Uh, the New York, the New England Patriots defense, and I do have on on my bench that I'm actually putting in. I have the Carolina Panthers defense, so that's going to be a very good win for me as well. Yeah, we're playing the Giants, so hopefully my Panthers can find a way to win that football game. Yes, as well, and then I actually, um, I actually draft. Uh, Cooper Rush and Ezekiel Elliott. So I'm hoping that Cooper Rush would actually give me some fantasy points this weekend as well. Yeah, man, a a tough loss for your Cowboys this past week and everybody trying to make sure that Dak Prescott uh, can return to full health soon. Yeah, I am very very upset that uh, my Cowboys lost that game, but they were saying um, I've heard on the on the fan, I've actually heard that Jerry Jones was talking about that Dak Prescott will be coming back in uh, four games. So after this game, he he won't be playing this Sunday, so he might be playing next Sunday's uh, game uh, when we play. Um, we play after the Bengals. I think we play on the road, so I think he'll be 
back in four games instead of six to eight weeks as well. Yeah, so he still wouldn't be able to play next week. You play the Giants next week on Monday Night Football, but uh, hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, James, we got a guest coming up here in just a moment, but I did also want to point out, did you see who won the NASCAR race in Kansas? Yes, my friend, my partner, Bubba Wallace actually did win, and I am very excited as well. And I do have him this weekend in my fantasy NASCAR lineup, so I am hoping that he's going to win this weekend and uh, seeing if he's going to win again back-to-back seasons as well. First time this season that Bubba Wallace won a NASCAR race. He did it this past weekend at Kansas. We thought of you, James. When he got the win, we were thinking about you because we knew how excited you would be. He's only won once this year, and it happened this past weekend. And now they go race at Bristol. Yes, one of the best tracks ever in Bristol, Tennessee. It's one of my very favorite tracks I like to watch as well. So I'm going to be watching that one this weekend and uh, seeing some great uh, history being made uh, this time around as well. We'll be watching, too, and we'll be watching Auburn football, and we look forward to talking to you on tomorrow's program. Okay, James? All right, sounds good, and I'll take the uh, trivia tomorrow. There you go. Can't wait. Can't wait. That's our good buddy James from Montgomery. War Eagle, buddy. All right, that's James joining us there on the program. Let's take our first commercial break here on the program. Big win for Bubba Wallace this past weekend. NASCAR heading to Bristol. When we come back, Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and On3 Sports will be on the program. Talk a little Auburn football recruiting. That's next here on Sports Call. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy. Hope that you're doing well on this Wednesday. What we want to do right now, fellas, is go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on one of our good friends, Cole Pinkston, a recruiting insider for Auburn Live and On3 Sports, joining us here on the show today. Big weekend upcoming for the Auburn Tigers, and Cole Pinkston joins us now here on the program. Cole, how are you, buddy? Man, I'm doing good. I'm fired up about the weekend. I think, I think the atmosphere at Auburn is going to be great. I think the recruits are going to be in town. It's a good week. 
All right, pretty big news today as uh, Carmelo English decommits from Auburn, a four-star wide receiver uh, who's out of Central Phoenix City High School here, basically in the backyard, it feels like. Was this expected? Did people see this coming? What else can you tell us here, Cole? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't expected. It was an unexpected deal that happened today. Um, I think it probably even caught some people at Auburn off guard. Uh, but, you know, it, it's not it's not one of those situations where it's over and, and Auburn has no shot with the guy. He's right down the road. He has probably the best relationship with Ike Hilliard. Uh, he's just got some other schools coming after him, and and that's part of recruiting in today's world is, is you, you check things out. Some guys stay committed and do it, and some decommit and do it. So that seems to be the case here. Um, uh, Auburn's chances have obviously gone down a little bit because of the decommitment today, but they're going to continue to recruit him. They think he's the top priority, and uh, nothing's going to change on that front. Well, So now uh, this is your chance to talk to some of the Auburn fans that are out there about leaving these kids alone if they decommit because I've seen where uh, Carmelo, he posted something on one of the social media things about the hate is real, and it was after his decommitment. It sounds like a lot of Auburn fans have been giving him crap. So uh, just your chance to talk to the Auburn fans about leaving these kids alone. Yeah, well, I mean, look, that's part of the game today That is, is Twitter. And, uh, you know, those of us who played it back in the day, we're, we are ecstatic that Twitter was not a thing. Right. And uh, – it's just part of it. If you're going to make a big announcement like that and you're going, you're going to, uh, you know, make some big news, some headlines, people are going to react, and there's really no way to stop it. And, you know, Auburn fans, for, for how that goes, it's just you be careful with what you say to the recruits. It's never over with these guys. It's never over uh, even after they sign anymore because of the transfer portal. You still got that going on. And that's why you see coaches, they don't give up on people even if they commit. They they got to have the relationships even after they sign and go somewhere else. It's it's very important. Cole, when sometimes when these guys uh, decommit, that could mean uh, a multitude of things. But but sometimes there's also could be uh, a reason at that position group. We know Auburn has already gotten a uh, a four star wide receiver in Sorry. We know they're constantly recruiting other guys, bringing them on campus. Is there any chance that uh, down the line here we see another? Uh, pretty similar type of wide receiver uh, that might join the fold at Auburn. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't think you have to wait very long, if we're being honest. Uh, I'm actually on the road today. Uh, there is a commitment ceremony happening in Thomasville, Georgia, tomorrow for four-star receiver Adam Hopkins. I think Auburn is the team to beat. I will be at that ceremony, uh, be streaming it live, be covering it. So, yeah, uh, you know, you, you follow a, a bad news day with a potential good news day with a, a, another four-star at the same position. That would be something pretty interesting. And as of right now, it, it seems like that that's probably the case. Tell us about uh, Adam Hopkins. Yeah, Adam Hopkins. He's a four-star receiver, Thomasville, Georgia, Thomas County Central High School. Um, a guy that was really high on Texas A&M at one point and uh, – for whatever reason, never committed there and, and held off for a while. Had LSU, you know, um, Texas A&M, a bunch of top schools that, that have offered him. He's got just about every offer you could imagine. Uh, sort of, you know, interestingly, sort of in that same role as, as, as Carmelo English, a somewhat smaller guy, shorter guy, going to play probably in the slot. 5'11", 185-pound guy, um, extremely athletic. Very good prospect, 
And uh, Ike Hilliard, you know, he, he seems to work somewhat quietly on these guys. And then out of nowhere, it seems like Auburn's the team to beat. So, um, you know, that would be a very big pickup for Auburn. He's a top 300 player with us and on three. Um, so, yeah, Adam Hopkins, definitely a good player. Well, Cole, you, you kind of transitioned there for us, set up the segue. We want to talk about these wide receivers, and Ike Hilliard is the new position coach for Auburn. That was a question mark when he takes the job. Tons of NFL experience, both as a player and then also as a coach there. But when you become a college football coach, now you got to recruit. What can you say about Ike Hilliard's first few months on the job in terms of recruiting? Well, I think even though the recruiting landscape has changed so much, and one thing is always going to be true. Excuse me, two things will always be true in recruiting. One, relationships, and two, your knowledge. What do you bring? What can you teach a guy? You know, can you get the guy to the next level? I kill you. I has done that. He's lived it. He's proven that he can do it. He's proven on the NFL level that he can coach it. He's coached some, you know, some pro bowl wide receivers, some, some great receivers in the NFL. And, and then he's, he's a great relationships guy. And he, every time we talked to Carm- Carmelo English, who just decommitted, he said, man, I mean, if it weren't for Ike Hilliard, I probably wouldn't have committed here. So he's making good relationships with these guys. He does it sort of in private. That's just the way he works. Um, and, and out of nowhere, it seems like guys like Dequavius Sori, Adam Hopkins are, you know, ready to jump in the boat. And that's just how I think that's what we can expect from Ike Hilliard, sort of a quiet worker and uh, good relationships with his prospects. Uh, Cole, uh, looking at this weekend, obviously a, a huge game for the current Auburn Tigers, huge game for the fans. It's expected to be an incredible atmosphere there when uh, Auburn and Penn State play. But it's also a big recruiting weekend. Uh, who are some guys that you know of that are going to be here that uh, that Auburn fans might want to keep kind of a, an eye on? Yeah, well, uh, I'm actually at Langston Hughes High School right now, which is home to about six massive Auburn targets. So they will all be here. They just confirmed to me, uh, and we have already confirmed that at Auburn Live uh, a couple days prior to this. Uh, Jelani Thurman, four-star tight end, uh, Ohio State commit. He'll be there. Uh, you got Terrence Love, who's committed right now to Auburn, four-star safety. Both Hughley, four-star uh, Georgia offensive line commit. He will be there. Uh, 2024 four-star quarterback, huge target. Air Nolan, he will be there. And uh, big-time defensive line target, Joshua Horton, North Carolina commit, he'll be there. And then on top of these guys, there's a ton that are going to be there. Um, we we got a running list going in Auburn Live, and it's going to be star-studded. Um, two five-stars from Montgomery, James Smith, Quay Russo, uh, D-line and the edge, they will be there. The list goes on. It's hard to it's hard to remember everybody, but it's a it's a very nice list. Oh, and and so for Auburn, I mean, how how big is this? Obviously, it's it's a very obvious question, but you know, how big is this of a recruiting weekend for Auburn to try to get on the map with some of these guys? Oh, it's huge! It's huge. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting talking to some of these guys this week that are planning to be there. A lot of these guys have not been to an Auburn game, not been to the atmosphere, and you know. There's going to be a really nice atmosphere at this game. Auburn fans are going to bring it for this one. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's a very uh, important game, especially for Brian Harson and, and for the team and, and moving forward. You know, it's kind of 
it's kind of a marquee game where you go, okay, and we know what Auburn's all about after this one. So for so many reasons, it's big. And for recruits, you know, win or lose, having them there, getting some time with the coaches, getting to see the process, getting to see how the fans are, getting to see a wild atmosphere. That's just number one. That's number one for this weekend. Yeah, That's what I'm always so intrigued about, Cole. Again, when you talk about a big recruiting weekend, to experience the game day atmosphere is one thing. But football being a sport, unlike basketball and others where you play so many games over the long course of a season, you have to wonder, do wins and losses play a factor? Is a recruit really convinced by the on-the-field product if a team loses that they're there being recruited by? Or do we pay too much attention to that and it's really not not that big of a deal? From your experience in talking to a lot of these guys, will Saturday's result matter? You know what? That, that's a very good question and, and something that I, I've wanted to address with some Auburn fans because, you know, um, being a fan, you look at things through a certain lens, and, and that's just how it is. Yeah. That's how it goes. Recruits don't always do it the same way. They have a different approach, and, and the ones that are being recruited by a lot of schools, the ones that have a good process of how they're doing things, they, you know, they're going to have a almost like a checklist mentally where they go through things, and it, and really winning the game is not on that checklist. Now, you know, if, if you're in a situation like maybe Nebraska or Texas A&M where you lost a game to somebody you shouldn't have lost, <laughs> Nebraska's case, you know, they fired their coach, so that's a little bit different. But um, it, that would stand out. But as far as just winning or losing, you got to be competitive. That's number one. you you got to show these guys – that the product you're putting on the field is exactly what you've been telling them it is. And that doesn't necessarily mean you win the game or you lose the game. It means that you did everything that you've been telling them you're going to do. As we get closer to signing day and as the football season continues to move forward, you mentioned a commitment coming tomorrow. Again, not official because the ceremony hasn't taken place, but the ceremony will take place. We'll know by the end of tomorrow whether or not Adam Hopkins commits to Auburn or where he's heading. Are there any other timetables that have been set that people should be aware of? Uh, Yeah, actually, um, Chad Simmons, director of recruiting and on three, had a story this morning on a massive offensive line target for Auburn. That's Janoris Wilson down in Lakeland, Florida. Six foot five, three hundred and ten pound guy. Um, very big target for Auburn. And he is supposedly going to make a decision in the next two weeks. And he is going to be at Auburn for an official visit this weekend. There you go. There you go. That, that seems to bode well for the Tigers. Um, it, it seems like. You know, he's been leaning that way for a little while. He was at Big Cat Weekend, sort of named Auburn as leader. So getting an offensive lineman in the boat is, man, that, that's a big deal. Cole, when uh, looking around uh, at some of the high school teams around here, right here in the state of Auburn, the new number one 7A team is the Auburn High Tigers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Auburn's got a couple of guys already committed from that team, but uh, – are there any other targets there locally that uh, that Auburn may be really going after hard? Yeah, um, I'm not sure specifically to Auburn High School. Right. Um, you, you got Braden Joyner uh, committed, the offensive lineman from there. You have J.C. Hart committed, who is not at Auburn High School, but is at Lochapoca High School uh, right down the road. Right. So those are two guys, you know, they're obviously identified and, know they're close to home and that definitely played a factor in, in, in going and getting those guys and doing it early and uh, 
you know, they're not as high as high ranked as some of the other targets, but they're guys that are the the staff deemed. You know, this these are important guys. You got to have these guys that know what it's like over here, that know the field, that are actually Auburn fans grew up that way. So, you know, that's a big deal. And, and then, as far as locally, um, you know, you could say that the Montgomery kids, the uh, the two five stars, James Smith and Quay Russo, are pretty close, and uh, they are massive targets. And Auburn really seems to be gaining some ground with them. Now, it's going to be tough to get those guys. Don't get me wrong. But they they um, came unannounced to the uh, the opener against Mercer. Got to hang out with the coaching staff during the weather delay. Worked out in, in the coach's favor in that uh, regard and, and really hit it off with them. And, look, they know each other. They've been recruiting them since they got to Auburn. They were like the first phone call they made, okay? But, you know, having that one-on-one time during the game, seeing how cool the coaches can be and, and, and seeing Auburn, you know, uh, take care of business in that game, and, and the crowd be there and hang out during the rain delay. You know that just really hit them well. So those guys seem to be really, um, you know, I think they really like Auburn genuinely. Cole Pinkston here with us on the program from Auburn Live and on Three Sports. Where can we follow your work and uh, maybe tease a couple of stories that you and the rest of the crew have coming out soon, Cole? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, Cole Pinkston. It's just my name with no spaces on Twitter. Um, AuburnLiveOn3.com. Uh, our our $1 per, for, for a whole year is over. We're not running that anymore, but we do have a seven-day free trial. You come try us out. You don't like it, you can get rid of it. But let me just tell you, you're going to like it. Uh, we got everything going, recruiting, analysis, football news. Everything breaks there. You know, we, we got it going on there. So come, come give us a try. Cole, thanks so much for the time today. We'll do this again sometime soon, okay? All right, appreciate it, man. All right, that's Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and On3 Sports. Joining us there on Sports Call, always appreciate his perspective. And that team at Auburn Live, man, they've got Jeffrey Lee and Keith Neighbor and Cole Pinkston yep. giving you incredible recruiting coverage for Auburn. And I just think about that sometimes, guys. When you've got a massive game at your school coming up that weekend, do the recruits even care, win or lose? what the product on the field looks like and uh, kind of seems like the atmosphere is the bigger takeaway there for what somebody's going to be able to experience. We'll set the record straight. None of the three of us were ever recruited to play college football. No. So we can't speak from personal experiences, and that's why it's it's good to rely on some of those recruiting insiders for the perspective. Yeah, I mean, we could have straight up asked that question, but, I mean, I would – I would assume that they don't really care win or lose because then you would say every time someone hosting a bunch of recruits lost a home game, they're going to just automatically have a terrible recruiting class. But, um, you know, a lot of these kids, you know, they're not, especially when they're not from the state, they don't have an opinion on Alabama versus Auburn or anything like that. So I mean, I would imagine, and Tom, obviously you covered some of it um, back at the OA News, but I, I would imagine that uh, for most people – you know, you, you could say maybe overall big picture that you want to be assured that you have a chance to win something meaningful meaningful if you're going to a big school, right? I mean, like more of a big picture thing, but that particular game, I don't know if it has a lot of bearing. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's different for the different kids. Uh, I, I think overall that you're correct that the atmosphere really kind of plays more into it. But, I mean, you do have the kids that the product on the field does mean a lot because – they want to go and 
they already have it in their mind that they want to go play for a winner. They want to go play for a championship caliber team. And if what they see on the field is not championship caliber, then atmosphere be damned. They're just like, okay, well, great. I'll find you know. another quality atmosphere. Or, right, I can, find a, I can find a quality atmosphere with a better team. So, yeah, you know, you do have that. But uh, as far as Auburn goes, though, you just have to you have to show them what you can. I mean, the what happens on the field happens on the field. But uh, the things that you can 100% control – is the the atmosphere that you give them the the attention that you give them you roll out that red carpet wine and dine them and treat them like kings and that's what you can control the atmosphere is going to be there uh so yeah i mean it's a it's going to be a great experience for any of those kids that get a chance to come here especially uh, the high school kids that come here and it's their first time inside jordan Hare stadium and it's going to be the type of atmosphere that everybody's expecting uh, come Saturday. I never thought he was going to stop talking about Cole Pinkston. I never thought he was going to stop when he was listing off the names of recruits that, that gonna are going to be, be at the game for Auburn and Penn it's State. Uh, it's a huge weekend. And also, how about this? So wise, when we asked Cole Pinkston that question about winning and losing, for him to say, well, think about Nebraska hosting Georgia Southern this past weekend. And when he said, how does Texas A&M feel when you've got recruits there and you're losing a game to Appalachian State? Sometimes those recruits aren't paying as much of attention to the winning and losing that takes place in the football game. Final few minutes here in Sports Call, hour number one. J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy as we go to our Auburn Bank phone line. Joining us now, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt has called into Sports Call. Hello, Matt. Hey, JJ. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Tom. Hey, what's up, bud? What's up? You guys behaving? Always. Trying to. Tom, you're trying to or Ryan? (laughs) That's me, Tom, trying to. Ryan, you behaving? Nope. Sure I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, you owe us $20. All right. We'll keep that tally going up. What do you got for us today, Matt? Well, hey, um, I was talking to an Auburn um, fan, um at Walmart in Tallahassee, and he was saying that if a new ad director comes in, and I wanted to see what you guys say, with a new ad director coming in, do you think Harson will still be at Auburn? And this is also a big game for Auburn and Harson to keep his job, right? Big game regardless. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah you think about the long in-season result, but it's still possible that Auburn could lose to Penn State and then you win the rest of them this season and then Auburn would still be okay with Coach Harson. If you go 11-1 and one and you lost to Penn State, you're going to be happy. Yeah. So it's it's just it's not as big of stakes that win or lose and your job's over right on the spot, but you definitely want to set the tone for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah. And, and then, Matt, uh, talking about the new athletic director, the, the one thing to keep in mind is whoever – is going to be the athletic director is not who hired Brian Harson, so they're not going to feel like they're obligated to try to keep him on. Like Alan Green, who hired him, is going to try as much as he could to keep him here. But now that it's going to be a new athletic director, that they don't, they're not kind of forcing themselves to try to keep him here. So uh, I, you know, I don't know that he's on thin ice, but I don't think it's going to take much for somebody to to make a move on Harson. Uh, because they're not, they're not bounded by him because they didn't hire him. Yeah, and uh, uh, the question you guys can answer this: um, Who is, uh, I mean, Penn State's best receiver from this year and then from last year? And do they have the same players for 
for wide receivers and tight ends, who's the best wide receiver and tight end that Auburn needs to focus on? For the most part, they, uh, they've they got Sean Clifford coming back at the quarterback position, and then last season we saw Penn State feature Jahan Dotson a ton at that wideout spot, and we'll continue to get more of a uh, football preview for Penn State in the coming days as we get closer to that game. So we're coming to the end of hour number one. we got to get you out of here. Five, four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey. hey. Bama 48, 45, 62, Booyah. Booyah. Bama, your field. We're going to give you three seconds. Georgia, we're going to knock you out. Say bye-bye, seven. That's right. Booyah. All right. See you, buddy. Thanks for the call today. That's our good pal Matt from Tallahassee joining us here on Sports Call. Alongside Ryan the Boy and Tom Peavy, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy on this Wednesday our thanks again to Cole Pinkston, recruiting insider for AuburnLive.com, uh, for joining us in hour number one. Coming up in 10 minutes, Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, will be on the program. Later in today's show, we've got a Wednesday hump day update for you on the camel fighting camels that we'll discuss. Uh, Joe Bartle from RotoWire is on the show in the final hour as well. The Sports Call Podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast and join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola Taste the Feeling. Let's go back to the phone lines to open up the hour. Joining us here on the program, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve has called into Sports Call today. Hi, Steve. Hello, everybody. Uh, good afternoon. All right, before we go any further, guys, all my time is limited. I want to correct some misinformation uh, that was given out by Ms. Cole Pinkson a few minutes ago about Carmelo English. Okay. okay. All right. This comes directly from Carmelo English uh, Twitter account. He says the following. I've had several conversations with my family and have come to a difficult decision. I will be decommitting from the University of Auburn. So there you have it. <laughs> 
from the University of Auburn. He is not from Auburn, guys. Yeah, he did not decommit from Auburn University. He decommitted from the University of Auburn. Yeah. So I want that crap to stop. Unfortunately, we see that trend far too frequently from some of these recruits is uh, throwing out University of Auburn. I can't, I can't believe Auburn. it, guys. You know, yeah. you know, I've got to either laugh or say, gee, man, when they get a letter of offer, uh, does it have the university's letterhead and, uh, name on there? Yes, Absolutely. I mean, this happens so often. I mean, why don't we just change our name to the University of Auburn and get it over with? It is fascinating to see how frequently that happens. Okay. Now, on a lighter note, uh, speaking of the commitments, uh, do you know where we stand right now with our commitments, guys? Uh, right now, in, in, for Auburn, on uh, Auburn Live, as we referenced, uh, 51st in the country for the Tigers now that they've lost the commitment of, of Carmelo English. Seven commits right now. Well... Not too, not too fast, my friend, Mr. J.J. According to uh, Christian Clemente here on Talk for Some Sports, he says with the loss of English's commitment of Auburn, we are down to seven commitments and number 69 in the composite team rankings. There you go. And seven commitments is the lowest in the SEC. That means we outbid and outdid who? That academic university called Vanderbilt? Yes. Yep. Every other team... Holds at least eleven commitments, guys. Uh, is is anything that could be any worse than that? Yeah, you could have none. We have none. Okay, <laughs> thank you for that uh, optimistic uh, uh, viewpoint there, <laughs> Mr. Tom Peavy. <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, I I don't get it. You know, really, uh, it used to be where uh, other teams, this is coming from Phil Morris as well, uh, were hesitant to come in to Alabama territory uh, if teams. Or players were committed to either Auburn or Alabama because they knew uh, there was no point in doing it. Not anymore. Yeah, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't know what the full thing is going on as far as the recruits go, but I know there's a whole bunch that are going to be here for Penn State. Auburn's going to do their best to, to try to get that. Uh, Cole was talking about there's a wide receiver, a four-star wide receiver that he thinks is going to commit to Auburn, so that will bump Auburn back up. If you lose a four-star wide receiver and then you turn around and you get a four-star wide receiver, then you're back to where you started. Um, yeah, Is that I, the I, best I, we can hope for? Well, no. I mean, there's going to be more coming. Um, no, and we, we need – I mean, we apparently we can get commitments. We just can't keep them. Well, and, and, I, and I don't know why. I mean, players have different things, different ideas. Uh, uh, the kid – the, let's just take the, the kid from Central. There may have been a team, this is just a pure speculation, but there may have been a team that he was really looking forward to and had not gotten an offer, and when they gave him an offer, he, he decided that he wants to I open need to it think up. about things. I need to think about things because now I just got the offer that I've been dreaming about for my entire life. I don't know that that was the case. The kid may have just woke up one day and go, you know what, I don't want to be committed to anybody right now. I need to visit and open things up. Uh, I mean, they're high school kids. You, you just never really know exactly what's going through their heads. We were competing with one of the states, uh, one of the programs was North Carolina. You know, they used to be a basketball school. Yeah. Well, Auburn, that, used, to, Auburn used to be a football school. Uh, that, that's that's, that's, that's <laughs> uh, what's troubling. All right, moving on, guys, uh, on a – uh, lighter note still, have you seen the pro football ESPN's uh, FPI ratings about us and our chances of winning further games in the future? I haven't looked at uh, it week by week, no. Well, uh, we're not in a good spot. According to them, we have now uh, dropped down to uh, apparently 
games to win. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. And uh, in, this was real good, uh, but who knows what their, their predictions were for last, year's, last week's games. Uh, ESPN's FBI gives us a 38.3 chance of winning this weekend. Now, I'd like to know what chances they give last week to you-know-who, Appalachian State or Marshall, right? Yeah, upsets happen for sure. There is the, the, those absolutely take place in the sport. But this is a, and we're playing at home. Uh, this is what uh, it's come to. All right, a more positive note. Uh, I did see that Tank Bigsby and Derek Hall both made Pro Football Focus College Football Team of the Week. Did you know that? I did see that, and uh, great for them. They've had good performances. Oh. Right. Uh, and even on a more lighter note, uh, on Auburn 247 Sports, they apparently got some quotes from some Penn State writers. Uh, real quickly, one of them says, Auburn is crawling into this matchup while Penn State runs into it. Another Penn State uh, guest sports writer says uh, that uh, T.J. Findlay was rolled out from LSU uh, as a starting quarterback. So far this season, he has just one touchdown and uh, four interceptions. Could be good news for the Towson Penn State secondary. And I love this one, this final one from Penn State uh, sports writer says, under normal circumstances, going to the SEC opponent's home stadium would be somewhat of a scary task. This spells scary. For some reason, invading Auburn's Cliff Hare Stadium. Oh, boy. Uh, when was the last time we were called Cliff Hare Stadium, by, by gosh? Where are you seeing that story, Steve? This is a, hold on. This is coming. Uh, three comments from Penn State Rides at Auburn 247 Sports. One of their bloggers uh, apparently found these uh, quotes from some uh, Penn State writers. Man, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so I said, wow, Sue, uh, is, is it still Cliff Hare? I, 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 maybe I've overlooked something. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Hey, interesting. Okay. All right, Steve, well, we got to get to this break. You get to Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. So your final thoughts today. Final thoughts. Uh, we're going to the game, guys. And uh, all I can say is what I said yesterday. Uh, I am going to be limited to six words, either war damn Steve or get his ass. Get his ass, oh, that's right. And Ryan, Ryan, yep. I saw Beast. It was well worth my time. I'm heading to see Barbaria next week as well. Good deal. Good deal. All right. We may need some Barbarians on our team uh, to pull out a win. It looks like Saturday. <laughs> we'll I, see what happens. Right, Thanks, have, Steve. Time. Yeah, you... Have a relaxed afternoon, and uh, talk to you tomorrow. War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our good buddy, retired War Damn Steve, joining us there on the program. Yeah, my, my advice to Steve is uh, have your heart medications ready. Ready to rock and roll for yeah. Saturday's game. Never know what to expect. Uh, and a fun one. Auburn and Penn State coming up Saturday from Jordan-Hare Stadium. Quick timeout when we come back. The voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, will join us right here on Sports Call. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
Getting closer to football on Saturday. Auburn will be taking on Penn State from inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. We're going to get to your phone calls and your thoughts. What do you think will take place on Saturday when the Tigers take on the Nittany Lions? Again, here on the Plains coming up on Saturday. Your phone calls will be welcome in just a few moments. But right now, we are so excited to be able to catch up with our good pal Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, here with us on the show. Auburn off to a 2-0 start to begin the season, and Andy Burcham's here with us now. Andy, thanks for the time. What kind of environment and atmosphere are you expecting on Saturday? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> a, a great, hospitable atmosphere at Jordan-Hare Stadium, just like Auburn fans received last year at Penn State, which was a great atmosphere. Folks were very friendly. They cheered for their team. It was a really good game to watch in a cool atmosphere. And I want the Penn State folks to say every bit of that, plus they lost when they leave here on Saturday. That's what we're hoping for, absolutely. As the broadcaster, do you get more amped up for games like this? Sure, it's hard not to. I mean, it's fun to do any game. But, yeah, when when there's, there's a little more on the line, and you know that it's going to be a packed house and there's going to be a TV, a national TV audience tuning in and it's Auburn and Penn State, absolutely, absolutely. And Andy, can I interest you in highs in the mid to upper 80s with only a 5% chance of rain this week? <laughs> well, that's fine for me. I, I guarantee you, though, Auburn coaches were looking for 95-degree weather <laughs> yeah. for, for, for Saturday because – as much as and, – and James Franklin, who's done a terrific job at Penn State, can talk about all of the things they've done to prepare, uh, you, you don't prepare for 95-degree with humidity. So I think the humidity will still be there on Saturday. But for the fans, mid-80s is, uh, is pretty good to ask for at the end of, uh, at the end of December, or September. Obviously, Andy, a lot of has been made in the last two weeks for Auburn. Still wins at the end of the day, which is the most important thing to note. But uh, how do you, you see the first two weeks uh, of this Auburn team and, and your thoughts as they head into uh, a top 25 opponent in Penn State? Well, you've got to play better Saturday. That's, just, that's the bottom line. Uh, you've got to play a better brand of football, especially from the offensive standpoint, to beat this Penn State team because this Penn State team is loaded. They have a good defense, outstanding secondary. This team, a week ago, now granted, it was against Ohio, had 16 pass breakups last week. 16. Joey Porter Jr. alone, their outstanding quarterback, cornerback that is, had six by himself. He has 15 pass breakups in his career at Penn State at the start of his redshirt junior year. This is a really good defense, and especially in that secondary, with the free safety Keaton Ellis and Joey Porter Jr. at the corner. They're not as big up front as they were a year ago, but they're probably quicker up front than they were a year ago from a defensive standpoint. And Sean Clifford is back for his 14th year as the quarterback at Penn State. Um, He's very good. Five touchdowns, only one interception. He threw four touchdowns in their opening win at Purdue at the start of the season, and he was the Big Ten Player of the Week and deserved to be so. They may use more than one quarterback. Uh, they, they love Drew Alar, their outstanding freshman out of Medina, Ohio, who was Mr. Football in the state of Ohio last year. And he's already thrown a couple touchdown passes himself 
this season. But it, it rests with Sean Clifford. They have a fabulous freshman tailback who was the National Player of the Year in Nick Singleton um, that already has 210 yards and a couple touchdowns, and he had touchdown runs last week of uh, 70 and 44 yards against Ohio. So, and, and, and as they have in years past, they're really good at the receiver spot, especially Michael Tinsley, who transferred to Penn State from Western Kentucky. So it's a very, very good team that comes in here on Saturday. Uh, Andy, you talked about the Penn State secondary, and when you compare that to uh, Auburn's quarterbacks, obviously that's been a, an area that fans have, uh, have really talked a lot about. Would you expect that uh, that Harson and that staff are going to maybe try to do some things to uh, – maybe take a little bit less uh, – take some pressure off of T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford to try to limit some of the uh, mistakes because obviously the, the interceptions have kind of been a thing over the last two games. Uh, are you expecting to see something to maybe try to lessen the likelihood that they're turning the ball over? Well, I think one of that is running the football, uh, putting it in the hands of Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter and Damari Alston and to a certain degree Robbie Ashford who's, who's in the ball game for Auburn. And I, you know, I, I, I won't be surprised if we haven't, if there are some things we just haven't seen from this offense yet against Mercer and San Jose State. I think all of that, you know, I mean, this is, I don't think you hold anything back now. It's Penn State. And then next week it's Missouri. And then it's LSU. And then you go to Georgia. And you go to Ole Miss before you get your, your off week. Uh, the gauntlet starts this Saturday, guys. I mean, this is, this is like an SEC team coming in here on Saturday. It could, you know, it's it's the caliber of another SEC game coming in here. I don't I don't think you hold anything back. Plus, Auburn would like to get a little revenge a year ago. That was a tough loss. It was Auburn's first loss last year. It's a game that Auburn came away feeling it could have, perhaps should have won um, on the road last year at Penn State and, and, and again in front of a national television audience. So a great deal rides on this game, if, if nothing more than momentum and confidence as you start the Southeastern Conference next week. Right. Uh, we're talking with Andy Bertram here on Sports Call today. And, uh, Andy, sticking with the quarterbacks, uh, Auburn fans, or really not just Auburn fans, but fans in general are going to seem to want to focus on the negatives. But what have you seen from T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford that you like? Well, I mean, it's, it's hard not to like what you see running the football from Robbie Ashford. And, I mean, he's a work in progress as a throwing quarterback. Remember, even though he comes to Auburn after two years in Oregon, he played baseball at Oregon. He didn't play football at Oregon. So he's getting his first college football action right now. Um, and what I like about T.J. Finley was what he did in the second half against San Jose State. 12 of 15 through the air, did not throw an interception, ran for a touchdown. I thought used his size and his running ability to his advantage in that game. That's what I like about T.J. And listen, I think T.J., is better equipped to handle being the number one quarterback at Auburn this year than he was a year ago. And I thought we saw that in the second half against San Jose State. But this is a different animal coming in here on Saturday in, in Penn State. I mean, this is, this is a good 
football team, and they're very talented on the defensive side of the football. Before we get out of here, let's talk about that Auburn defense. One thing that's been consistent through these first two weeks is that Auburn has given up 16 points in both of the contests this season. How would you assess the play of the defensive unit, Andy? Well, um, take away the interference penalties last week, especially in the second half. And Auburn shuts down San Jose State in the second half of that football game. What Auburn has done the first two weeks is take away the opponent's running game, too, against Mercer and against San Jose State. But again, this is Penn State coming in here. And they're going to run the football against Auburn. And they've got an outstanding freshman tailback. And then they've got Kevon Lee and Katron Allen and Devin Ford. Uh, I mean, they're, they're deep at the tailback spot. And then you've got a quarterback that's a veteran and was really good against Auburn a year ago. Remember, Sean Clifford was 28 of 32 for 288 yards or 280 yeah. yards and a couple touchdowns against Auburn a year ago. So he has performed well against this Auburn team. So I would imagine he brings a measure of confidence when, uh, when he comes to town. And he's already, he's already performed well on the road in the Big Ten this year with that win at Purdue. So I, I don't know if you rattle him. I don't know if he is rattleable. That's not even a word, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but he, he's a good quarterback. But, but, but Auburn has done a really good job up front. Hall and Marcus Harris and Jason Jones and Colby Wooden and Echo Leota with some depth behind them. I like what we've seen out of both Owen Papo, especially last week from Owen, and Cam Riley in both weeks of his action. Um, Auburn's corners will be tested this week. I think this is a big week for Nehemiah Pritchett and Jalen Simpson against this wide receiving core of, of Penn State. As you well know, every time you remind your listening audience that Eculiota is a product of Asheville, North Carolina, my heart smiles a little bit, Andy. I appreciate when you do that. Well, I, I, I think he's the most improved team, or the most improved Auburn player since last season and including last season in the starting lineup for Auburn right now. I thought as the year went along last year, the Asheville, North Carolina native, <laughs> um, really, really responded and has picked up where he left off. I love seeing both he and Derek Hall on the field right. at the same time, especially in a third down and rushing situation. Shout out to the 828. I love this. All right, Andy, uh, before we let you go, tell us about uh, Tiger Talk coming up tomorrow, the Tiger Ooh. Tailgate Show on Saturday, and uh, all of it heard, of course, on FM Talk 93.9. All right, tomorrow night on Tiger Talk, Jeff Schmetting, Eric Keesaw, Rock Bellantoni, Auburn's three coordinators. Wow. Schmetting on defense, Keesaw on offense, and Bellantoni. Auburn Special Teams Coordinator plus Tank Bigsby scheduled to be with us tomorrow night on Tiger Talk out of Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Saturday, guests include Dean Calvin Johnson uh, with the School of Veterinary Medicine at Auburn, Wes Byram, Ben Obamanu, uh, T.D. Moultrie, perhaps Carlos Dansby. Set to be with us on Saturday. We'll be starting at 1130 uh, outside or across the uh, the street from the Cam Newton statue on the east side of Jordan Air Stadium. So, big weekend, boys. Big weekend. We're ready wow. for it. We're going to be a whole lot of fun on Saturday. Andy, thanks for the time as always. We'll talk again soon, okay? My pleasure, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. That's the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham, joining us there on the program. Uh, love chatting with him. 
And, uh, of course, make sure you check out Tiger Talk and the Tiger Tailgate Show coming up this weekend. Going to be a fun game this weekend, Tom. And uh, he very qu- I said, the first question, what is the atmosphere going to be like? Andy immediately says, crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, the Auburn fans are going to bring it. But here's the other thing to keep in mind. Uh, Penn State travels well, too. Yeah. There, there's going to be a lot of Penn State folks in, in that crowd. Uh, so that's one thing Auburn folks need to realize that there's going to be quite a bit. This of is a cool opportunity blue. for those fans too to be yeah. like, we get to go watch an, a Penn State game well, at an SEC stadium. Sure, just, just like the amount of Auburn fans that, that made went, the trip last that year. Made the trip last year, which was a lot. Yeah, uh, Penn State's going to travel. They they travel very well. So there's going to be a lot of blue and white. Looking forward to uh, it in that sea of orange. Yeah, that so, atmosphere uh, is going to be epic. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. What was it uh, that was said yesterday? That uh, Auburn's never hosted a Big Ten school, or yes. Auburn has Before. never hosted. Yes. Yeah. So this is new for Auburn. This is big. Too. This is big. A big opportunity for all involved. Let's take your phone calls three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger nine. Joining us on the program, we've got Anthony from Auburn. Anthony has called into Sports Call. Hello, friend. Hey guys, how you guys doing? Very well. Thanks great. for the call today. Before we get into this week's game, I want to talk a little uh, recruiting briefly. Uh, I saw on social media where this English kid out of Phoenix City decided he wanted to uh, decommit, and a lot of people on social media really going after this kid, saying he should have honored his commitment and this and that. But, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe he, after a couple games, maybe he realized that maybe Auburn might not be a good fit right now because of the quarterback they have uh, right now or or whatnot. Uh, I mean, you know, Finland's thrown about uh, three interceptions in in the first two games, and and Robbie, I think he threw uh, interception uh, a couple, so that's about five in, in the first two games. And uh, from a passing standpoint, I, I guess that, that may not be uh, where it should need to be. Yeah, I, I will say, uh, yeah, you're right, three interceptions for T.J. Finley this year, one for Robbie Ashford, so four total. Uh, Anthony, I will add, we talked about this a little bit earlier when one of our recruiting insiders, Cole Pinkston, joined the show. It is uh, not acceptable for any fans out there to be reaching out to a recruit and telling him he's making a wrong decision anytime he chooses to decommit. Uh, but I think there's a little bit more than just saying the play on the field for Auburn this year is the reason why he's decommitting. Yeah, and and the thing is, we don't know what's going through kids' heads. They, they change their mind for various reasons, but uh, he, he chose to go ahead and decommit and open things back up. But that doesn't mean, and this is, again, what Cole Pinkston was saying, it doesn't mean Auburn's out of it. Auburn's still going to try to recruit him. However, if the fans are, are hating on him and things like that, then that's not really going to do Auburn any favors on trying to get back in his good graces. If, if the fans are talking crap to to the kid, then he's definitely not going to want to come here. Well, maybe that NIL money uh, is shaping up better maybe somewhere else, uh, which I'm almost thinking it probably is. You know, That could be true. That could be. That's, that's The NIL thing is one thing that we haven't even talked about on here. I, I keep forgetting about it. We talked about atmospheres, and we talked about the play on the field and everything. A lot of times the NIL could be a thing. A team could have come along and, and offered him a very lucrative NIL deal that, that Auburn had not, and he decided to look at that. I, you know, But I don't know. I, I, I'm not there with the kid. I'm not in his head. I don't know what's going on with that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the recruiting process, and you have guys commit, you have guys decommit. It, it's part of it, and you have to move on, and it sounds like Auburn may be getting a commitment from another four-star receiver. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you just have, you have to take the bad with the good when it comes to recruiting. And, you know, speaking of NIL, I saw TJ do a spot on TV the other week. Uh, 
I'm not sure what he was endorsing. I don't remember what he was endorsing, but he was endorsing something. And I've seen uh, Bryce Young, too. So those commercials are starting to come our way, as we talked about last year, uh, yep. potentially uh, seeing some guys doing some spots, and, and that's starting to happen. So uh, that shows you the, the progression that that's making in, in that area. But let's move on to the game this week. I tell you, I believe Auburn can win this game, but the only way they're going to be able to win this game is, is from offense. Let's start with offense first. From an offensive standpoint, I, I think the offensive line, uh, whoever's the leader, whether it be the center or a guard or, or a fifth-year senior, who that, whoever that person is, I think he's going to have to get the guys together and say, look, we got to make our mind up that we're going to block this week. I mean, we're going to give it all a full effort this week. Starting this week, we got to give it everything we got. You know, if you can open the holes up for two of the one-two punch, uh, two of the premier uh, running backs in the country – and let them do their thing, then you keep the offense in a position where they don't have to uh, offensively from a passing standpoint, you don't have to do a whole lot. TJ won't have to do a whole lot. Won't be in a situation where you got to start throwing the ball downfield, which he's not good at right now. Auburn needs to stick to a short passing game. And when I mean short passing game, I wouldn't throw a pass more than 10 yards be looking for tight ends on five-yard routes, bringing running backs out of the backfield. You think about it. You bring a big old guy like Hunter out of the backfield of TJ and hit them on a little five-yard swing here or there and catch them somewhere, and they get in a matchup with a, with a linebacker. Uh, you think about what that could be as far as getting positive yardage and keeping the chains rolling. Uh, that's what's going to have to happen and not make a whole lot of mistakes. You can't have an undisciplined line. Uh, getting false starts or whatnot, or holding penalties. I mean, I mean, you're gonna get those, but you can't have a whole lot of that. They're gonna have to play uh, almost a near perfect game if, if there's a such thing as playing a perfect game, and be sound in the kicking game. And from a defensive standpoint, just can't break anywhere and give up a big play. I, I think uh, you know the crowd is gonna be electrified because they said this. Like I said, this is the first time that a Big Ten team or uh, uh, right. come this way. And so you're going to have the fans out. You're going to have the fan support. It's going to be vocal. It's going to be orange out or, or whatever, blue out or whatever. That's going to be there. So it's just going to be up for the coaching staff. I hope that uh, they got a game plan ready. I would think uh, there's going to be some times where you had to put TJ and uh, – not excuse me, not TJ, but uh, 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 Jacquez, uh, Hunter, and uh, – Tank. Tank And Tank in the backfield together. I mean, think what that would do to a defensive coordinator. If you got those two guys in there, you got to figure out, well, what are they going to do? Uh, I mean, you know, those sort of things. And, and I don't know as uh, far as what kind of game plan they got with the offensive line, as far as maybe they might trap some. But I tell you, on maybe some uh, third and two or three, maybe a good trap might work. Uh, you never know. I mean, you start trapping people these days, uh, you know, that's something you don't see uh, at all now, I'll be honest with you. You know, that was a big thing when I played. But – uh Nowadays, kids don't see that, and that would really confuse and mess up a defense if Auburn was able to uh, do something like that. I don't, like I said, I don't know what kind of plans they got, but uh, maybe some of those things uh, maybe were considered this week going in. We, we'll find out. But uh, I tell you, this is what I'm gonna go as far as picking a team, as far as picking a winner. I'm gonna say a 2020 tie at halftime, and then we'll go from there and see what happens. All right. So you'll you'll give us a, a result later in the week. Hey, I said 2020 tied halftime. That's all you're going to give us. That's all I'm going to give you. 2020 tied halftime. Okay. I don't know that I've ever gotten a, t- a halftime prediction. I like this. Well, that's, that's it's a little I'm different. Gonna you, I'm going to give you a 2020 tie at the half, 
and then we'll see who does what in the second half. Uh, okay. You know, I think uh, Andy Burcham pointed out that uh, State had a uh, quarterback that's a veteran, the guy that played last year coming back. He's supposed to be a little better than it was last year. You know, those things could make a difference in that fourth quarter, having that experience. Uh, all right. And got a win against Auburn and this or that. And he talked about the uh, defensive backfield that those guys had that, had one guy that had about 16 uh, pass breakups. Yeah, Joey Porter's son, his son Joey Porter Jr., uh, the yeah. former NFL star. His son's a great cornerback for him. Well, we can get him out of – he can be got out of his game. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, if things can go right with that running game, you can get him out of that, you know. So we'll we'll see what happens. But, guys, I appreciate the time. I'm can we get a War Eagle back. from you today? I'm going to go ahead and get y'all one because you need one. I'm just going to give it to you. <laughs> All right. We love it. I, I tell you, I'm going to call – look here. I'm going to call y'all back Monday like I promised. And then at that time, I'm going to tell you what I think the record will be for the entire season at <laughs> okay. that time. We can't wait. All right, guys. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Have a good All one. Right. That's our pal Anthony from Auburn joining us on the program. I didn't know if I'd get a War Eagle out of him or not, but – that was, was enthusiastic. A courteous yeah. mood. Uh-huh. <laughs> Had a courteous mood to him. That's good stuff. Oh, man. Can't wait for Saturday. Kickoff is getting closer. Still a ways to go, but it is getting closer. Let's take our next commercial break here on Sports Call. Back to wrap up hour number two after this timeout on Tiger 95.9 FM. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Got a few moments of hour number two of Sports Call here today on this Wednesday. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. You can listen to our show on the go wherever you go by downloading the Tiger Communications app. It's available on both iPhones and Androids. Just go to your app store, type in Tiger Communications, and there is a Sports Call feed for you to listen to every day when we're on the air. Also on the app, there's a direct link to our podcast. So even if it's not within the 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. Central time slot, you could still be listening to our program there on the Tiger Communications app. Auburn taking on Penn State Saturday. Kickoff set for 2.30 p.m. Central. You'll be able to watch the game on CBS or listen on the Auburn Sports Network on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9 with Andy Burcham on the play-by-play call. And enjoy talking about this game with Andy, talking about that secondary for the Penn State defense. Joey Porter Jr. with six pass breakups a week ago, 15 in his career going into the season. And it's an Auburn uh, wide receiver group. That's going against some more experienced secondary guys. And we talk about T.J. Finley and the passing game. I mean, this is going to be a tough challenge. This will be the toughest secondary that Auburn has faced so far this season. I know that's not breaking news for anybody, but it is important to point that out. Sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough secondary. It's going to be a tough defense. And, uh, yeah, hopefully Brian Harson and uh, Eric Kiesel can get something together. and figure out what they can do to put Auburn in the 
best situation to succeed, I guess, is the best way to put that. Uh, I would I would be stunned if Auburn comes out airing it out, just trying to go deep. I, I just I don't see that happening. They're going to try to establish the run game. They're going to try to establish the short passing game to kind of get the other deep stuff open. Uh, and, and yeah, that's 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 got to be the game plan. You you want to try to limit how much you're making T.J. Finley do as far as the passing game goes, uh, because I mean he's just not elite. He's not an elite quarterback. If you put too much pressure on him to try to win that game, then you're going to end up with the turnovers, and it's just going to be bad. So. Yeah, Auburn's got to limit what TJ does. You need to ride Tank and Jarquez and hope that opens up some easy passing stuff for TJ. Yeah, and I know that Auburn really loves the run game because they want to use their play-action passing, but there's still two types of play-action passing. You can still very easily play-action to just roll the pocket and, and find crossing routes and, and you know short tight end stuff, and I think that's the stuff you're going to see Obviously, Penn State's going to expect Auburn to run, and so there's always, you know, well, maybe you do throw a couple deep over the top, but I just don't think Auburn is very capable of doing it. I know that they have uh, a wide receiver in Javarius Johnson who would be the type of receiver to do it, but you still got to be able to give him the football, and we've just not seen what you wanted to see out of T.J. Finley or any of the quarterbacks throwing the ball uh, to make you think that they're going to be able to do that multiple times in a game. So uh, this is going to have to be a game where Auburn converts on the margins and they you know, get these third and shorts that they get. They, they avoid the negative yardage plays. You know, I think I saw somewhere where, I, and I forgive me for not knowing the exact number, Auburn kind of had an alarming amount of zero-yard rushes against San Jose State. I want to say that maybe a quarter of their rushes – uh, resulted in zero yards yeah. or, or worse, which is is not a good indicator either. And I know San Jose State statistically was a good run defense last year, but again, we're talking about a Mountain West team compared to uh, a top twenty-five Penn State team, and so you know that's not going to be something that you can do again against Penn State if you're already kind of concerned with what you're going to pass the ball like. You're concerned that you might give up a few more points. You might give up in the twenties. Uh, so you know you. You, you just have a very thin margin of error here. And uh, last year, this game was a very competitive game, and a couple poor choices were made that, that led to a loss. Um, again, it's going to have to be a game where you don't make those poor choices and you execute your short stuff and you, you don't make the big negative play. I mean, Auburn can't turn it over twice and, and not get any turnovers back like that's happened in the first two games with, with each game having two interceptions and – and not forcing a turnover. Can't lose the turnover margin by two. So, um, look, there's still a path for Auburn to win. They're at home. Sure. Uh, this environment is going to be great, uh, and you're always going to feed off that, and being at home does matter. However, they've got to be pretty darn spotless when it comes to getting rid of some of the stuff that they have done in, in prior weeks with turnovers the penalties, penalties early. See, that's what I was going to yeah, mention. Pen penalties early, especially in the first couple of drives of that San Jose State game. Because remember, you know, fourth quarter, Auburn felt better about things. They were up two possessions. But they were down 10-7 at half, and that was because uh, those first few drives there in the game, they did everything wrong. They had the turnovers, but they also had the penalties. And so, yeah. uh, you know, it, it there's still part of me that just wouldn't be shocked if Auburn comes out and just plays – 
some of the best football we've seen in the Brian Harson era even. But there's also real problems that Auburn has to overcome and has to play much better than what they've played in the first two games. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned the penalties because I was going to jump in and say that. Uh, the penalties, uh, to me, drive me up the wall more than anything else. When you know, Especially if you get, a, you get a holding penalty on first down, and now all of a sudden you're behind the sticks. Yeah, first and 20 uh, sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, goodness. Um, and so, uh, and, and yeah, and then that just kind of throws your whole game plan out of whack. If you're all of a sudden, you're you're at a you know first or you're at a second and twenty or first and twenty or whatever it is, you know you're already, yeah, you're you're already kind of messed up there. And that's shooting yourself in the foot. If you have a if you have a play that you just don't execute, or the other team just executes better and gets back there and stops you for a loss or gets a sack, you know, yeah, that's not good. But I that happens. But if you're if you're jumping if you're having fault starts if you're having silly holding penalties where you got beat and you just drag a dude to the ground, or or just any other uh, uh, formation, I mean you you line up wrong. I mean those are things that you can avoid. You just can't shoot yourself in the foot like that. Well, and, and, and that's what happened against San Jose State early on. They were just unforced errors. They they were silly. Stupid penalties. Right, they, it was a couple of all those things. It was right, a couple exactly. holds, a couple false starts. I think there was an illegal formation. There was. Which, by the way, part of the argument for T.J. Fiddley being the starting quarterback, according to the coaching staff, was he knows how to line everyone up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> I, I know it's one out of – it's just one of those instances, but – uh, you know that that's very that's very reasonable. Expect zero of those instances should happen throughout right. the course of the game. So uh, you know, again, from if as Andy said, as we're all saying, if it looks how it did the first two weeks, Auburn will not win this game. Right. But we got to allow for the possibility of the home field of the first game where Auburn knows it needs to be, you know, airtight and it might rise to that challenge. Uh, and then also just still allowing for that brief possibility that we've still only seen two games, and that's not necessarily – it's not an are-what-you-are scenario yet. If you're doing sure. the six games in the season, that's different. But there's a lot of different circumstances, a lot of relative things that we don't know how relative they are. And, you know, it, nevertheless, Auburn's opponents are bad, so we're not going to be saying at the end of the year, well, actually, San Jose State ended up pretty good. No, San Jose State's not going to end up pretty right. good in the country. Uh, Mercer's not going to end up being like, oh, my gosh, you know, North Dakota State, you know, they could beat half the FBS. Eh, not going to be saying that about Mercer at the end of the year. But um, still, with – Everything getting in line with guys improving. How good are they really when they're forced, when their backs are up or against the wall? How do they respond? How do they respond to these close game opportunities? That's still yet to be determined. But uh, Penn State favored by three. I think, again, that's a remarkably good line because Auburn's owed some points by being at home. But Penn State has played better football to this point in the season. You look for similarities between the last two years. Auburn, their margin has been greater last season than this year. Last season, it was 112 to 10 in favor of Auburn in terms of points on the board through the first two weeks of the season. Surprisingly, I went back to look through the first two weeks last year. Auburn has committed 13 penalties. This season, Auburn 12 penalties for 105 yards. One fewer penalty committed than the first two weeks last season. We've run out of time here in the second hour of the show. Joe Bartle still to come in the final hour of Sports Call alongside Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. My name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books and we're rolling.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. It's our third and final hour of Sports Call here today on this Wednesday on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. Coming up this hour, we're going to have our hump day update on the Camel Campbell Fighting Camels, excuse <laughs> me. We'll also uh, have a conversation with Joe Bartle from Rotowire coming up in this hour to get our fa- fantasy football fix. We've been chatting with him for so many years now at this point, and we're starting yet another season of our partnership with Rotowire. Grateful for that and looking forward to that conversation coming up in the uh, here in the final hour of Sports Call today. All right, we do this each and every day, but what we want to do right now is our daily show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? If you're just now joining us, if you missed the first two hours of the program, you deserve a rundown of what's taken place so far on Sports Call today. Tom, how would you assess the first two hours of the program? Uh, I would say it has been a very successful first two hours. Um, We had Cole Pinkston on talking about Auburn recruiting. Uh, We discussed the decommit of Carmelo English, uh, the wide receiver out of uh, Central Phoenix City, but... Cole seems to indicate that there might be a commit on the horizon very shortly. So uh, some good stuff there. Uh, We also had Andy Burcham on uh, previewing uh, the Penn State game this weekend. So obviously we have talked a lot about Auburn. Uh, And then we also touched a little bit on the Braves, who are currently trailing uh, the Giants on the road. Uh, It was a very close game, and then they had a two-run single. The Giants did, had a two-run single. Uh, so the Braves kind of trying to fight back there. But, uh, yeah, a little bit about the Braves, a lot about Auburn, some other great phone calls from uh, from James and from uh, – Anthony and, and Anthony Steve. Matt have all called in Matt, today. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, it's been a been a really good and productive first two hours. That's our daily and show recap. And there's more to come. And there is more to come. We got off to a horrific start. And by we, I mean me. I was going to say we. Um, What's this week? I was terrible. It was one of the worst <laughs> opens I've ever had in the history of this program. <laughs> Have I gotten better since that open, though, Ryan? Has my performance improved? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Because yeah. I was bad out of the gates. You, you haven't sa- seen me like that before. You were saying words emphatically, but you were not <laughs> saying the words you meant to say in the order that you wanted to say them. <laughs> oh, man. And I've tried to recover since then. I thought I was going to have to go get a med bag and make sure you weren't stroking out on us over here, JJ. <laughs> oh, it has gotten better. This is a um, Wednesday. The this is a sports call. It happens every week, man. <laughs> 
It's time to have Wednesday shows every week. Yeah. Welcome to the show Wednesday. It's, Ryan Lavoy and Tom Peavy and I am. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's the reason to go listen to the Sports Call podcast because, man, I was uh, pretty tragic at the start of today's show. All right. We've uh, got our hump day update coming up here in just a little bit. But again, we're getting ready for Auburn taking on uh, Penn State this upcoming weekend. And there are some other really exciting matchups across college football. P- speaking about top 25 specific matchups, how about Texas A&M? They're going to take on number 13 Miami. A&M just lost to Appalachian State this past weekend. And it's like, hey, folks, you better be ready because a big-time opponent is coming in. Mario Cristobal, year one, the Hurricanes come to town. Well, we'll learn a lot about the validity to Miami, I mean, in their ranking because uh, they didn't have an incredible year last year. They've obviously a big-name program. They change coaches. They get Mario Cristobal, and then all of a sudden the expectations go through the roof immediately, kind of like the East Coast version of USC. And so far they have not had a big challenge. Now they were they were struggling a little bit last week with Southern Miss. I think they ultimately won 30-7, to which is not some – unbelievable margin but I think they were losing uh seven to three in that first half with a couple minutes left they finally scored before half and took a 10-7 lead in the half but it was not uh anything demonstrative over there so we still have to learn more about Miami but it is a top 25 matchup and uh unfortunately it would have been a huge matchup if A&M had beaten App State it would have been a top 15 matchup A&M in the top 10 Miami at number 13 but not to be in App State gets that incredible win and now all the, the jokes are flying on Jimbo and all the questions and now what A&M will be this year. But I think it will be a very interesting matchup. It is in College Station that hopefully if you're rooting for A&M or rooting for the SEC will matter to, to A&M. But uh, Miami's quarterback, Van Dyke, Tyler Van Dyke, is going to be uh, the big story there, what he can do. And look, A&M's defense is still good. The questions are on offense and with Haynes King versus Max Johnson. I personally would want to see Max Johnson play quarterback at this point. Uh, I just think he has a more uh, a better command, a better control over the offense. I don't think he necessarily is going to make some big plays, but I think he's just going to manage the offense well, or at least better than what Haynes King has been doing. So uh, this would be a very even and close to tough to call matchup, but Man, if A&M loses this game two straight home losses in the non-conference, not how you want to go into the SEC play. Don't want to be that way. Yeah, you can't lose two straight home games before you jump into SEC competition, as you said. Because next week I think we've got uh, Arkansas and Texas A&M that are in Arlington. Yeah, just kind of looking through it. I mean, in the SEC, really, the Auburn-Penn State game and that Texas A&M-Miami game, those are really the only two like really worth watching SEC games. Maybe the Ole Miss Georgia Tech game, but uh, you know, but everybody. I value that game. That's at yeah. Georgia Tech. That's a Power Five team, and Ole Miss hasn't played anyone yet. I th- I value that game. Yeah, uh, Ole Miss favored by sixteen and a half on the road, which I think is a little large because Ole Miss is not a hundred percent satisfied with their quarterback. If you've been watching that, they actually started Luke Altmyer last week. Then Luke Altmyer didn't play great. Then he got hurt. Jackson Dart came in and played much better. So I think Jackson Dart will start, but. Again, they thought enough or maybe thought less enough of of Dart to start Altmaier week two. So yeah. read between the lines there, that's not a settled situation just yet. And Georgia Tech, I know, I know Clemson has his offensive issues, but Georgia Tech was hanging in there defensively really the entire game until a few minutes left in the fourth quarter. So 
I know Ole Miss's offense is high octane, and I do think their defense continues to get better. But again, that that's a I'm not going to be shocked if Georgia Tech hangs in that game for a long time. Sure. Uh, the other one, I guess you could kind of keep an eye on number one Georgia is at South Carolina. Uh, Georgia, conference game? Yeah, it's a conference game. Uh, it is an 11 a.m. game. So, uh, I, you know, really, I, I think just like with any stadium, an 11 a.m. game kind of takes your crowd out of it a little bit. I mean, it's a great atmosphere in South Carolina. Georgia's uh, coming in as a 24-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. But, uh, you know, if you're looking at SEC play, I guess that one could potentially Have another. be – It could potentially be interesting. I mean, obviously Georgia's way better than South Carolina. But a few years ago, a really, really good Georgia team went into Columbia, South Carolina, and got beat. Yep. Right. Uh, actually, no. I think – was it at – I thought that one was at Georgia. Was it at Georgia or was I, it? At I kind South of feel Carolina? like it was in Athens that they lost that game. Let's it go was, confirm. It was I'll inexplicable. Go confirm. Uh, Ryan Halinski, I want to say, is quarterback at South Carolina. At that I was, time. I was, Western. And, and, and I could be dead wrong. What I remember of that game is I was at Six Flags on that Saturday. I was at Six Flags and we were standing in line, and all of a sudden, all these people started cheering. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at my phone, and they were all everybody was list had uh, earbuds or whatever in following that game, and uh, I think Georgia missed a field goal. At they the did. End. Blankenship missed one. Yeah, um, but Rodrigo missed one. But I just remember standing in line to get on a roller coaster at Six Flags, and like all these fans started cheering, and then you heard obviously a lot of Georgia fans there being in Atlanta. Uh, like a lot of that just a happened. lot of choice yeah. words there, but yeah, that was one of those like, how in the world did Georgia just get beat by South Carolina? The game was in Athens. It wasn't twenty Athens. to okay. seventeen in double just, overtime. And what I remember from that, Israel Mukwamu had several interceptions in that ball game, and he was actually named Sports Call Player of the Week. Wow. First time that we had a uh, South Carolina football player win the honor. I thought you were going to uh, tell me he as, was from Asheville. A sports football player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I the reason I, I thought it was in Athens was just because doing, I mean, just thinking through it here, unless 2020 messed something up, you oh, yeah. would have played in uh, Williams-Brice in 2020. Right. And that means 2018, to, you know, all the even number of years. But uh, i give you one that's actually a better SEC game. I don't know if you saw this one. Maybe you don't value this way. Uh, LSU, Mississippi State. Um, and okay. that one is probably more important because I think Georgia should smack South What's Carolina. What's the spread on that one right now? Uh, the spread on that is Mississippi State 2.5 in Death Valley. How about but, uh, that? Pretty close game. Um, states look good so far. Uh, this is a game when we were talking oh, – we mentioned Mississippi State-Arizona last week. I said that's a game just – State just cannot lose. They cannot do it. They're going to have a bad year if they lose that game. They cannot do it. This is, I think, the opposite. I think LSU cannot lose this game, cannot afford to lose this game. Um, they are at home. They they need this game if they're going to have a chance, at, if they're going to go to a bowl game this year, honestly. Um, and this team uh, or this game is just interesting because I still think these teams have some respectable ceilings to them. Uh, again, we've talked about Mississippi State and their fit. Will Rogers has looked really good so far. They ran the ball pretty well in Arizona last week. Their running backs combined for something like 19 carries, 114 yards. They had about six yards a carry out of their running backs against Arizona last weekend. 
And then for LSU, they were up, I think, 51 to nothing on Southern in the first half. A very, I mean, I, I know you expect to beat teams like that, but as we've seen, it doesn't always go to plan. And no. LSU, LSU had so thoroughly whooped Southern that one of the few times in my life I've seen the backup quarterback come in in the first half. Nussmeyer wow. came in with, with like 10 minutes left in the first half. They had so thoroughly whipped Southern. And then he threw a couple picks. Yeah. Nussmeyer was not great. Uh, it proved that Daniel's clearly ahead of him. Um, but so You can't be throwing picks I'm against really, Southern. I really value this game a lot because right. I think the loser is in trouble as far as making a bowl game, especially if it's LSU. Because, okay, let me – give it to you this way mississippi state's on track to go 4-0 in non-conference so they're only going to need two sec wins lsu has already lost a non-conference game they can't they're going to have to win three in the sec and if they don't win this game hosting mississippi state where, where are you going to find them you, you start going through them where are you going to find them so uh i'm really intrigued by this game i think it'll be a very competitive game i think the offenses the the referendum on daniel's here and then what Will Rogers is capable of putting up. I'm really excited about this game, actually. Yeah, I, see, I didn't see. That. I had my top 25 pulled up, so it's I fair. Um, fair. Yeah, this is a chance for Mississippi State to get into the top 25. I believe. Yes. Yeah, they're only so a they're, few spots out of it, right? Sure. Now. Uh, here's here's one that is intriguing, just for intrigue things. Do Mis- it, Missouri oh, State. Okay. At Arkansas. I thought you were going to say Vandy in Northern Illinois because that line's only two and a half. <laughs> oh, that is? Uh, and, and that's actually Northern Illinois favored right. by two and a half right. over Vanderbilt. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's that's going to be up in DeKalb, Illinois. Man, Vanderbilt traveling to some weird spots. They've already been to – played oh, at I, Hawaii. They can't and afford gonna, to schedule like an SEC yeah, school. they got to play teams on the road. Playing in DeKalb, Illinois against Northern Illinois. I have I know it's in DeKalb because I've been to that stadium. There you go. Times. Uh, but no, Missouri State against Arkansas. Missouri State head coach Bobby, Bobby Petrino, Petrino. Okay. making a return to Fayetteville. And, uh, that is fascinating. Yeah, Bobby Petrino making it. Well, here's what's even more fascinating is there's rumor going around Arkansas that a bunch of the students are going to show up in neck braces. Oh, yeah. This is actually a thing. Oh, yes. Snake from oh, Pulaski man. County. Would you wear a neck brace <laughs> to, to DW wow. Reynolds Razorback Stadium? Yeah, there, there's actually a story that um, that's out there that uh, actually uh, Michael from Auburn uh, shared with me, uh, or caller Michael from yeah. Auburn, um, shared it with me. And uh, it, it's basically the Arkansas, they're trying to, the rumors are all out there, and the Arkansas folks are trying to, reach out to their students and go, please don't do that. Like, just <laughs> don't do that. But there's, like, literally, like, rumors that student section is going to show up with a bunch wearing neck braces, blonde wigs, and blow-up sex dolls. Oh, no. Okay, well, okay. The neck brace, I thought, was playfully, you know, not right. tasteless. I think we progress down the line if we do all the other stuff, though. What do you think, Tom? I don't know. Oh, no, I mean, yeah. I, I think that's just that, – Utterly ridiculous. Yeah, hey, I, I now don't think it, we now, could do the other Now, stuff. would it be funny? I it would did, be, To me, it would be <laughs> epically but, hilarious. I don't know. I kind of want him to do the neck brace thing. I, again, I'm not, not doing the sex doll stuff. Never doing that. But um, the, the, the the motorcycle incident is still an all-timer right. in the SEC. Uh, I... Phew. That that makes it. I was I was wondering where you're going with that. Surely you're not putting Arkansas on upset alert right. after handling okay. business against Cincinnati and, and South Carolina. But uh, that's funny. That's a funny subplot to that. Yeah. Ryan, do you value Abilene Christian at Missouri? Um, I value the fact that Missouri lost by four touchdowns to Kansas State. 
there they I, I value the fact that this is Eli Drinkwitz's last year in Missouri. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll phone this one in. They can't. They shouldn't. Right. Um, Missouri, the next opponent for Auburn. Yeah. Take it's, them on uh, next Saturday. Again, feel really good. I mean, I, I like Kansas State. I think they're a good team, but losing by four touchdowns is not a great look for Missouri. We've got a commercial break. Sports call continues in a moment. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy and Ryan Lavoie. Fun show so far. Fun Saturday football coming up for uh, the Auburn Tigers taking on Penn State and other teams all across the sport of college football. What we do each and every Wednesday. Wednesday's known as Hump Day. And so what we've got to do for you before our conversation with Joe Bartle from RotoWire, we've got to give you an abbreviated Hump Day update. Here we go. Time for your Sports Call Hump Day update on the Campbell Gamble's football team. Yep, here it is. Our Hump Day update. The Campbell fighting camels. What's going on? We, uh, we we started off the year with a victory. Took on William and Mary this past weekend. Were we victorious? Unfortunately, no. The William and Mary tribe wins 37-21 to 21 over our fighting camels. Uh, bad day for Campbell quarterback Haj Malik Williams, who had a good game uh, against uh, the Citadel, I think is who they opened with. Yes. Win. Uh, Haj Malik Williams, ugh. Bad line here, quarterback. 18 of 31, 186 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. He was also their leading rusher, 18 carries for 91 yards and two touchdowns. So, Haj Malik Williams, quarterback, did a lot better on the running game than he did passing with the three interceptions. So, uh, yeah, Campbell fighting Camels. They dropped a 1-1 one one with a 37-21 loss to the William & Mary Tribe. It's just tough. It's just tough. I was hoping we could start they off the year 2-0. 20, well, they were top 25 in FCS, William & Mary was, despite being two people. But um, <laughs> do you like that – do you like that – this honestly got a question because it influences here because our boy would have had 111 yards if he didn't count the sacks. Uh, but he got sacked four times, so he finished with 91 net. Do you like the NFL way that they don't include sacks in the personal rush Absolutely, column? yes. Okay, I, what about you, Tom? Do you prefer quarterbacks to have their sacks counted against them as I, rushing? No, I, I don't. I don't like that. That's Me silly. Either. I think it's a team rush. A te- well, I think it's a team passing. I think it should be like the NFL. Right? It be Why go can it just, just let it be its own thing? Total because you are attempting to pass. You are not attempting to run. Um, that's just a small little thing there. But uh, I think the big thing with Campbell here is. Uh, actually, let me play another game. I don't know if Tom's seen this. Uh, would you like to guess uh, who all or how many people paid to see it? 
This is we need to make this a part of it. Who what paid to see it? What yeah. was our attendance for Campbell versus William and Mary? That I'm going to guess, and we've gone over the size of the Campbell Stadium that I've forgotten at this point, like, so that wouldn't help me at all. Well, um, I'm going to guess that they had 2,500 people in attendance for that football game. Okay, in Oakland A's amount. Okay, Tom. <laughs> I see. I, I just for the sake of of going lower, I will say it's more around the 2,000. How dare you guys? A lot of people wanted to see the Fighting Campbells come to town. 8,558 oh. beautiful people yeah. paid to see it. Hey, let me throw this in here. I, I, I like pulled up the stat line here, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, so uh, for William & Mary, uh, passing Darius Wilson, he was 9 of 13 for 97 yards and a touchdown. They also played another quarterback. Anybody want to take a guess? Oh, he must have some relation to here or some college football thing. Oh, man. I, would, I didn't look at this. No, I don't know. I don't know. Kalen Newton. Oh, was yes. One for one for five yards. Yes. Are you serious? Kalen Newton. Wow. I did not realize he had gone to William & Mary. Yeah. I, I mean, he started at Howard, played a couple of seasons at wide receiver for Auburn, and I just thought his eligibility expired. And well, I think everyone's eligibility expired, but do you know what? Do you know Emory Jones is starting at quarterback in a Power 5 school this year? At Arizona State, okay. yeah. I, I, again, I completely forgot that he had done that. People just get all these that. years these days. I mean, we, we've got COVID-19 years of eligibility uh, still granted Yes, you for do so have many. 19 years of eligibility, yes. <laughs> uh, by the way, Kalen Newton also had one catch for 13 yards do as, it all. as a receiver. Do it all. So, wow. Yeah, Kalen Newton. It was a score fest, by the way, in the third quarter, if you want some of the semantics of this game. Um, it was 17-7, William & Mary at half. Campbell scored 14 in the third. William & Mary scored 20 in the third. No one scored in the fourth. Yep. So, Boy. you had 34 combined points in the third quarter. And Campbell cut it to three at 17-14 uh, early in the th- or midway through the third, but then it was not to be. Cool. So now the task gets uh, really easy. They play an unranked team. Just kidding. It's an FBS team. It's at East Carolina. Oh, okay. I just was curious. So we're going. We went from a ranked to an unranked team, and we went from an FCS to FBS team. So at East Carolina. Maybe if they can force East Carolina to kick a lot of field goals. Uh, that might help us out. That's, uh, they might not yeah. be giving up a lot of points since ECU it, seems to have a problem in that department. It, it, the William & Mary uh, – Stats on here, I mean, it's it's crazy. Uh, they only threw for 102 yards. Darius Wilson with 97, Kalen Newton with five. And then their running backs, you had a guy go for 35, 33, 29, 19, and 11. So Campbell oh, gained them then. It was yeah. the turnovers. It had to have been, the, yeah, it was those interceptions. Take care of the ball, kids. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. But it's Protect tough this Protect the weekend. ball on your large camel humps. Playing at Dowdy <laughs> Ficklin Stadium there in Greenville, North Carolina. Can our fighting camels pull off the upset no no sadly not all right we're going to be one and two but we'll still give you a hump day update next week we'll let you know how bad it is uh on next wednesday's edition of sports call a timeout then we talk fantasy football with joe bartle after this sports call has been on the air since 1995 I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back into the program. Moving on here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy. And on this Wednesday, we're so excited to bring on our good pal Joe Bartle from Rotowire. Once again, another season, the sixth year that we've been having these weekly conversations with Joe, who's kind wow. enough to join us here on the program on the Plains. Six years, and I still don't know that Joe Bartle can say that he's ever personally stepped foot on the loveliest village here in Auburn, Alabama, and yet he still comes back to visit with us each and every week. Hello, Joe. Yeah, I'm ready for the invite. Anytime you want, you can uh, pay for my room and board. I'll be glad to be there in a second. Yeah. You've always got a place to stay. You can bring the little ones, the family, the whole deal. we got to get you uh, to, to one of these Auburn football games at some point. How are you, man? I mean, we're getting ready for another football season. we got to start here because we love checking in on your well-being and finding out how crazy you are. You know, I, I mentioned the family continues to get a little bit larger uh, for you and the missus. Have you knocked down the number of fantasy football leagues that you're participating in this year, or are you still at 50-some, it feels like? Yeah, uh, no, unfortunately, I, I did not. We have 15 leagues that I'm doing this year. Wow. Uh, I think it, the, the tally ended up being seven redrafts, the ones that you just draft every single year, and then eight dynasty or keepers. So in reality, the decisions I had to make and drafts I had to go to weren't quite as uh, as much, but it's still 15 lineups I'm setting every week. We got the, we got the spreadsheet set. Uh, I have reminders uh, on my phone now because I'm far too old and far too much of a dad uh, to have other responsibilities. I have uh, alarms set on my clock here that remind me when free agent and wave away pickups are. Yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty crazy schedule, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. You know, you know, football's great, and it's fun to have so much uh, investment in it, too. So uh, I, I had, I think, 13 or 12 last year, and I thought, I need to make sure I go down lower than that this year. Uh, nope, I, I failed at that endeavor, that's for sure. How about that? Here we are uh, getting set for another week of fantasy football. The second week of the NFL season is upon us. A Thursday night matchup that we'll get to here in just a little bit. Uh, your one major takeaway from week one was what? Oh, yeah. I had a, a friend ask me, what was your biggest surprise? And I think that was an easier question for me. Uh, the commander's offense overall, I, I thought, was actually pretty good. Now it's the Jaguars' defense, so we have to kind of put that in context a little bit. But I was fairly certain Carson Wentz was bad at football. I'm still pretty certain about that. But he worked with the weapons he had. And, and the commanders do have a lot of really good guys. If you put 15 other quarterbacks there, I would have said, yes, I like Terry McLaurin. Yes, I like uh, Jahan Dotson. And, uh, oh, yeah, for sure, I think. Uh, Curtis Samuel Price, healthy, can be good there. Or like a, um, uh, the uh, the other uh, targets they had, too, like Jerry McKissick or Antonio Gibson. I thought Carson once specifically was going to be an issue. And, yes, he is turnover prone. Obviously, he had that uh, bad interception to Trayvon Walker. Um, kudos to him for his first pick in his career. But I thought overall they utilized those weapons pretty well, specifically Jahan Dotson, who uh, I will be uh, upset to admit. I, I don't have any shares of him whatsoever. Across those 15 leagues, I was not committed to him. And, uh, I try to rectify that, or I will be trying to rectify that when it comes to waiver wire pickups this week. Joe, I uh, want to ask you about uh, another Joe, Joe Burrow, who uh, threw had, had a tough turnover day against Pittsburgh, but obviously he's going to get a lot of play as he uh, throws it a lot, still had a couple touchdowns, ran it a few times uh, as well. I guess my question here is, do you feel with the offensive line seemingly being just as equally bad as it was last year in week one, does that hurt his value as a top quarterback in fantasy or, or just alter it all given that the offensive line still seems to be a problem and it resulted in turnovers in week one? 
Yeah, it would be. Um, I think it would be if you said for certain this offensive line is going to be the same that it was last year. I just have a hard time believing that's going to be the case. Like by default, they have more talent along the offensive line than they did last season. And last season they made it to the Super Bowl. I know that they didn't quite mesh, and they're one of many teams that didn't have any of their starters play during the preseason. I thought that was very evident. In fact, you could basically guess on the results that occurred in week one which teams had players play in the preseason and which ones didn't. The Bengals were one of them. I also have a lot of credit to the Steelers' front seven, really front four, even uh, after the T.J. Watt injury, that they're pretty good. Like That's 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 a good pass-rushing team. I can't imagine, other than the other time the Bengals faced the Steelers, that they're going to have that much talent coming at them. This is going to be a good test. Like if, you, if they struggle again this week, and I'm saying seven sacks and constant pressure up the middle, in particular for Joe Burrow, who's not super athletic, but you like to move in the pocket a little bit more and step up, then I would be a bit more concerned. But I really believe it's going to take a couple weeks that offense will end at jail. But they, I mean, they just find it incredibly impossible for their offensive line to be just as bad as it was last year, despite the upgrades they made. And I was not a huge fan of uh, Ted Karras, who was the center that they signed to the Buccaneers. I didn't think that was a good investment money-wise. I thought Leo Collins was fun enough. But that's still an improvement over who they are playing, uh, no-namers, you know, for most of last season's pretty incredible playoff run. So I'm, I'm convinced that Joe Burrow will be fine. I think that Bengals offensive line will get better over the coming weeks, too. He was, I think, quarterback seven uh, among the guys drafted right around that spot. You could, you could kind of debate for a few of them. And I had been debating him for other purposes, mainly Lamar Jackson, Trey Lance, so that's a loss right now, uh, Kyler Murray, um, Jalen Hurts were all in that same range. I liked the mobility that they provide. From a fantasy perspective, the rushing yards are huge. So no matter that ESC Higgins to Mark Chase, Burrow is going to lose a bit from the ground game compared to those guys. But it wasn't anything to do with Burrow uh, and his talent or the offensive line. I just like the players uh, around that same range more. Joe Bartles here with us from RotoWire. Follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. Keeping talking about uh, quarterbacks in a game that we saw this past weekend between the 49ers and the Bears. A couple of guys very young in their careers in Trey Lance and Justin Fields. Let's point out how crazy that rainstorm was, uh, by the way, in Chicago watching that game play out. But uh, projecting the years for Justin Fields and Trey Lance, if you will, Joe. Yeah, I mean, a very rare uh, monsoon coming off Lake Erie. I can say that as somebody that's around that area, too. Uh, we don't see hurricanes too often over <laughs> in the Midwest, um, which is ironic. I, I think Trey Lance is fine. When I was projecting those quarterbacks last year as rookies entering the NFL, I had Trevor Lawrence one, as, as most people did. And then I had Trey Lance two and Justin Fields three. Like, I was not convinced Zach Wilson or Mac Jones are going to be really good. And Mac Jones certainly surprised me at times last year, but you're seeing a bit of the limitations from a prospect that. I thought he he was pretty readily displaying at Alabama, um, both towards the end of last year and the beginning of this season too. So, I, I there's there's obviously read issues for Justin Fields who gets happy feet in the pocket. You talk about bad offensive lines at the Bengals. The Bears actually have one of the worst offensive lines in the entire league. Uh, I feel like they did literally nothing to help uh, their quarterback whatsoever develop. It's almost like they're taking a page right out of the Packers playbook and said, hey. What happens if we give our quarterback absolutely nothing? Let's see what, what he can do. Um, and I don't think Justin Fields is Aaron Rodgers. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned in that facet. And given its new regime, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, the Bears struggle and Justin Fields isn't able to do, uh, I, I would say, even like uh, average, right? Like, I mean, that's what they're shooting for at this point is an average season. If he's not able to live up to that bar, I would not be surprised if they commit uh, to another quarterback in this upcoming draft, which would mean Fields will get traded to somebody who's too talented not to be a potential starter somewhere. On the flip side of things, I really believe Trey Lance is going to be good, and 
Um, it was a bit concerning that he wasn't able to make as much progression on his reads as he would have liked. Uh, I thought there were certainly moments, specifically in the second quarter, where he, he was a quarterback. It wasn't just, oh, he can run an athlete. It was like a quarterback making the, the right progressions and stuff. But the 49ers have to set him up to be successful. That being said, I think it's Kyle Shanahan. Like, if, if there is one coach in the league I think can set somebody up to be successful, it's him. Uh, so if, if Trey Lance is not the guy that's here, that's going to be concerning. I'm not worried about Jimmy Garoppolo at all. I, I know the uh, certain people in the media are going to push that, hey, he signed for a reason, and Shanahan's scared about that. Shanahan has, hasn't been able to win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo for a reason. I mean, they traded for Lance for a purpose to get them over that hump, and having Garoppolo is only meant to be uh, a safety net if the worst-case scenario happens to Trey Lance injury-wise. Saquon Barkley had a huge game on Sunday, Joe. It reminded us a lot of the Saquon we saw pre-injuries in his first two seasons of his career, and I wonder if there was any doubt. Like I, I know we can never predict injuries, and, and Saquon's been one of the most banged-up guys at that position in the league, so we can't guarantee he goes through the whole season. But uh, if he does stay healthy, Joe, was this kind of a – uh, sight for sore eyes performance because obviously this guy being so injured, maybe there were some doubts that he could play at the level he did his first two years in the league and and having almost 200 total yards, catching balls at the backfield, scoring a touchdown. Uh, just what does that make him uh, as he tries to regain that, that elite fantasy value at running back? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was one of the few, at least within Rotoware, who was concerned about him. I think most of the company was in on Saquon Barkley as – a late first-round pick even before he got to that point towards the end of August draft season. But he was more like a mid-second rounder. And even later, as we were like in the early portions of training camp and uh, off-season OTAs, things like that, um, I, I was more worried about the Giants overall. Like, You can't really project injuries. If Saquon were get hurt, I'm not going to say I was right that I was fading Saquon. It's just what happened. Um, I was a little bit worried that he wouldn't look like his normal self. So in that regard, check that off, because he clearly was explosive, um, was able to do a lot of things. I thought, like, the, like making a proge- progression from the quarterback, great, but like Barkley was able to read the holes, identify the weaknesses, and attack that. I thought that long run to the outside was a perfect example, where he just used that explosive. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's the Penn State Saquon Barkley uh, that we're aware of. For me, the fading of him was more so Brian Dable, new coach for the Giants, has to fix a lot of things for Saquon Barkley to be uh, a top seven or eight overall fantasy player. And while I think Brian Dable's really good, can he actually fix all those things, chief among them Daniel Jones? And maybe the answer is yes. I mean, I, I actually thought the Giants were going to beat the Titans uh, last week, and it was not because Daniel Jones and the Giants is more than I think the Titans were vastly overrated last year, and losing um, their pass rush for this, uh, the week before the season starts was one of those like, oh, yeah, that's right, this team is not going to be very good. Um, so I feel a little bit comforted, but, I mean, it was a 47-yard field goal I could have won on the game, so I'm not celebrating that too much. And I thought Saquon Barkley took advantage of a couple of big plays on a defense that's pretty susceptible. I would say, again, this week, though, the Panthers' defense is not all that good. You saw what Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were able to do. I would anticipate he's, again, going to have one of those highlight, real breakout kind of plays, um, and it should compile at least 100-plus yards. I, I've seen a lot of people say, if we were to redraft today, Saquon Barkley is a top-three pick. I don't know if I agree with that, though. I think you still take Jonathan Taylor. You certainly take Justin Jefferson. I was taking Cooper Cup. I think you still have to go the direction as well. Maybe Christian McCaffrey is in that conversation, too. I think we'll find out more this week. He should be going higher than where he was going. Like I think you got value for him if you draft him. But I'm not convinced Saquon Barkley is going to have that kind of performance every single week. And I know everyone wants to hope that's the case. I do, because 
the NFL is better when Saquon Barkley is that good. But I need to see it over the course of a month or two and know that the Giants' offense overall is better before I'm committed to saying Saquon Barkley is the guy again. We're talking fantasy football with Joe Bartle from RotoWire. And, uh, Joe, we can't have you on the show and not talk about your team. Not a good start for the uh, the Packers. <laughs> up there. Was yeah. that? <laughs> So same, same thing as fast. Yeah. We had this conversation last year when they lost thirty-eight three to the Saints. Yeah, no, it's, so, I mean it wasn't great. I, I will, I will foreshadow this conversation and say, I, I thought they were going to lose to the Vikings. This was a tough matchup. Aaron Rodgers always struggles, whether it's the new stadium or the old. Like going to Minnesota has always been difficult for him, and especially for these young receivers. I thought this is a really hard spot to put them in, and. To be honest, I was actually okay with how they looked in the second half. I was fully anticipating they were going to roll over. I thought Rodgers was having some uh, bad leadership vibes going on. And yet there were some there were some positive moments. I think Romeo Dobbs, nice fake screenplay, kind of called for him like he did what he was supposed to do. I know Christian Watson dropped that pass, but the routes run was good. If you look at the advanced metrics for him. Um, and I know there's the, the tape analyst after the fact who like to say, oh, hey, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Watkins, they're all open so often. Rodgers, that wasn't getting to him. I've also watched the tape. I, I don't feel like I see the same thing because the NFL has played at a different speed than us playing fast forward or uh, going half speed on the tape. Like it's, it's different than that. Um, but I was I was pretty certain they were going to lose that one. Now, I will be concerned if they don't look even remotely good against the Bears. I mean, that's going to be uh, a tough one. They're favored by 10 points. The over-under is only at 42 which would indicate to me this can be more like the Bears struggling to score offensively than the Packers. I mean, if they can't get things right this night, uh, uh, Sunday night, because that's the primetime game for Sunday, then I will be more concerned about the Packers. But if that was that was an expectation I was going to have, especially with Alan Lazard and Bakhtiari and Elston Jenkins out. Like, that was going to be a tough game overall. And so uh, so without Devontae Adams, you, you think the Packers can still uh, have have a, a, a bounce-back game and that uh, – not having Devontae Adams is not going to devastate that team. I think it's going to be an issue for the first month and a half. Um, you know, obviously, Rodgers famously is one of those QBs that has to have rapport with his wide receivers. Well, we're going to have to do this in the fly because none of them played it in the preseason. I, I think Christian Watson's talent is good number. I mean, he's basically your MVS, Quill, and Marquez, the scammer he signed with the Chiefs this past offseason. I thought that was actually fine. Four years, $46 million. I wouldn't want to touch that at all. That was a good deal for or MVS, um, but you draft a guy like that in the second round who has the speed. It's can you get open on the other routes because that's where the value was for Devontae Adams. Well, yeah, he can he can make every catch possible, great in the red zone, but he was always open, and that's not what Christian Watson's game is. The hope is Romeo Dobbs would have a bit more of that in his game, and right now we haven't quite seen that. I think there's a chemistry issue um, that Rodgers and the rookie receiver are going to have to work over. But the biggest deal for me is Alan Lazard should be back for this game against the Bears. That's significant to me. I think I, I was projecting Alan Lazard, who was going really in the seventh or eighth round of most drafts, as a pretty clear cut wide receiver 30 to 35, which was probably uh, double his value at the moment to the position. Specifically, um, because the red zone. I think he's going to be a red zone asset for them. Like if he gets eight plus touchdowns, that's a given to me, uh, given what the Packers are able to do moving between the 20s. And he might be that guy that, okay, bigger body, not super fast, not super quick route running but might be able to make his body be open for Rodgers and certainly has that connection. Um, that's going to be a big deal for me. If Lazard doesn't look like the number one target for the Packers against the Bears this week, I will be concerned. 
Joe Bartles here with us from RotoWire. Again, follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. He's going to be joining us once again this football season each and every Wednesday. So, Joe, before we let you get out of here, please promote RotoWire. Why should people get plugged in with what you guys got going on? Yeah, I mean, we have it covered in just about every facet. Uh, we've been diving more into the betting and gambling part of things, which has been great too. So, a lot of the spread coverage, um, discussing prop bets, that's one of my favorite things. And I haven't had a lot of time to do that. Uh, hopefully, as we continue on the season, I can uh, invest a bit more, but uh, a lot more in that space. Daily line sections always update when it comes to the injuries. We have the waiver wire stuff. I have a podcast every Tuesday talking specifically about the waiver wire pickups um, that you want to target for your rosters. And then, you know, specifically for myself, we've got SiriusXM every Friday. Now it's 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you'll be able to listen to us on Channel 88, getting you set for every week's action, going over every game as best you can, uh, and talking about those matchups. So a lot going on, a lot of content on RotoWire. I think more content than we've ever had before. Six years ago, when we started doing these uh, calls, we, we probably quadrupled the amount of coverage from every sports perspective uh, on the site, which I think is fantastic. So even if you're only interested in basketball or college football, great. I think RotoWire has got you covered there, too. Yeah, I mean, look, there's such a Formula One craze. I'm seeing Formula One on the RotoWire yes. mm-hmm. website. I mean, you guys have everything going on. You're right. I, I could put it into my search engine and verify that over these six years, the coverage has certainly enhanced there with uh, with, with Joe Bartle and his crew at RotoWire. Are you into F1? No, I probably should be. Yeah. But that's, I only have so much time to invest in sports, and I would I would argue that football takes – too much of my brain power, I'm not able to comprehend another sport at this time. Look, I'm right there with you because I, I could put you on the spot with basketball and we could put you on the spot with baseball and you know that yet again our Braves are on another great run trying to win the World Series this season. Uh, but uh, yeah, look, it's ruined my heart this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is terrific. Joe, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, sounds good, guys. Thanks there we go. Nice, That's our good buddy Joe Bardo from RotoWire joining us here on the program. RotoWire.com. They've got a lot of free trials to help you out uh, with your fantasy football needs. Always a pleasure to catch up there with our buddy Joe. All right, well, look, guys, we did it. We have uh, concluded another amazing episode of Sports Call here today. Tom, did you do okay in week one of your fantasy lineup? Uh, I I went one for one. One for one. Uh, but I'm over as far as our group goes as the defending champion. Right. I, I did get beat. Man. I, I, see, so many teams have championship hangovers, and Tom Peavy had one of well, them this know, week as well. Well, the thing is, if uh, I had a chance to win, uh, I was sleeping, and all the games had started, and I did not realize that one of my running backs was out. So I got zero points from uh, J.K. Dobbins. He yes. was out. But he was questionable leading into it, right. but I missed and then a late scratch. And a late then, scratch, yeah. and so that's just one of those things that happens, and I was not aware of it early enough to be able to make a quick change, and uh, so I ended up with zero points there and ended up getting beat. It throws you off it when does. that happens, and uh, you're right. That just uh, that, that happens from time to time. Sure. Nothing you can really do at about le- that. At least I was not a Dak Prescott owner. Yeah. Boy, and now he's <laughs> going to be out for a little bit, and so uh, those folks that have Dak on their team, now you've got to make you adjustments yeah. uh, to what you're doing. All right, here we go. It's our TV guide. It would help if I turned the yeah. audio on. I am just – I started, started the show yeah. in a good the, spot, and then the it's just well. so fitting, Ryan LaVoy, that I end the show uh, pretty awfully as well. Can I try again? Is that okay with you, yeah. Ryan? All right, here's our TV guide. <laughs> our show is about to end. 
but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, here we go. It's our Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight, 6 o'clock on Showtime. Talladega Nights. Great movie. Uh, We've got some MLS action. Uh, We've got the NYSC team taking on Atlas. That's actually the Campione's Cup on ESPN2 at 6.30. Guardians of the Galaxy at 6.30 on FX. Brewers and Cardinals tonight on FS1. And then Women's College Volleyball, number three, Louisville, number 13, Kentucky. Epic matchup at 7 p.m. on ESPNU. That is your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tom Peavy, thanks for being here. Yeah, enjoyed it. We will see you next week. Absolutely. Ryan LaVoy, see you on Friday, buddy. Uh, See you Friday's great Wednesday show. Glad we do a show each and every Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is clever. uh, That's good stuff right there. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you to all of our guests today. Cole Pinkston, Andy Burcham, Joe Bartle. Busy day here on the program. And for my colleagues, Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.